Hello, hailing frequencies are open. <laughs> Welcome to clear skies. Ah. Tonight the Federation is going to stop Romulans. Um not not really though. Uh so hi everybody. Welcome back to Clear Skies, our Star Trek live play. It is good to see my crew reunited once more. It's good to see your beautiful faces up on my computer screen again. I long for the day when we can sit at a table together. I long for that day. But for now. Your beautiful faces on my computer screen will do. Um, as we jump into tonight's announcements, some really fun trivia that I discovered. Um, two years ago today was actually the first appearance of Koshi the Cyborg and our first time we ever played with Mark Mir. So I just want to give a tip of the hat to Mark because we absolutely adore that super nice Commander Canadian. Um, we love you, Mark, wherever you are out there in the galaxy doing your cosplay and stuff. Wherever Canada is. I, I, I hear people talk about it. I don't know. The, anyway, um... Next Monday, Blood of the Void will be returning. Our next episode of Blood of the Void will be up next Monday, so we won't have any clear skies next Monday. That'll be Blood of the Void, so stay tuned for that. Uh, predation, for those of you who did not hear, October 3rd is our Predation game. That's when that short campaign is going to start. It's an eight-episode campaign, so tune in because dinos everywhere, Dinothorth. Um, those are, I just got through my announcements super fast tonight. <laughs> Does anybody have some announcements they want to share before we jump into tonight's big game? Nobody? Okay, let's go ahead and start. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Xander, you first. Yay! Okay, so a couple of things over this past week happened. Uh, Wasteland 3, uh, in partnership with Xbox, uh, we did an RPG with Deborah Ann Wall, uh, GM oh, yeah. by Satine Phoenix uh, with TJ Storm and that bronze girl, and it's over on the Nerdist YouTube channel. Uh, we had a ton of fun in that post-apocalyptic wacky world, so go ahead and check that out. And then uh, I also did a campaign with D&D &D Celebration this past weekend, revising my character from RP reality show, uh, Garrett Valrin, who you can meet in the newest uh, adventure, The Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Right on. That's kind of cool. Yeah, right? D&D celebrity sitting at our table here. Yeah. Um, who else? Who else has got stuff to share? Ravity, yeah, what's up? Hey, everyone. Um, so nice to see you all this week. Um, come check us out here on Q Times tomorrow night for Phoenix Dawn Command Operation Emberfall. We had our first episode last week, so there's still plenty of time to catch up and mm -hmm. check the second one tomorrow. But I'm super excited. I get to play this small feral murder toddler, and it is honestly just wonderful. Ravity, you have a brand. You know that. I <laughs> feral <laughs> child is a brand, people. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Hey, Bonnie. Pawnee. Oh, yeah. you and your pawns. Yeah. 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 No, no. I can't. I'm, I'm no Sam. Uh, so oh, that was beautiful, and I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, gee, thank you. So uh, these past few Saturdays, like three, I've been guesting with uh, the fabulous Dungeons and Things on their channel uh, for Things in Space. It's their Starfinder show. Uh, it was supposed to be a one-time guest, and now I'm I'm going on four weeks. So I guess two guest panel. Guest panel. They can't get rid of me. So it's a <laughs> Things uh, Twitch channel. Uh, D A T network uh on twitch so check that out on saturdays it's super funny it's very much it feels very much like guardians of the galaxy uh but less organized 
I should say it's it's very it's a it's a crazy bit of characters. <laughs> Less organized. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, like, I, I'm gonna really sell this, but <laughs> what's up, Aki? So this upcoming Wednesday over on the Rule of Lore channel, starting at six o'clock on Wednesday, I will be playing a Tales from the Loop game in Came from the Loop, uh, GM'd by Caitlin Bruder, who you all may know as uh, the amazing artist who's done excellent work for us uh, and is also our moss uh, and sweet, lovely friend. Um, I have been dying to play Tales from the Loop and I finally get to and I'm very excited and I can't wait for you to meet my kid. They are adorable. And so right are on. the other ones. Um, the last thing I wanted to announce before we jump into tonight's game is, um, for those of you who may remember this, uh, it was a year ago today that we lost Aaron Eisenberg, um, who is, uh, who played one of the most memorable characters in Star Trek. Probably one, like, I used to think that Quark was the most iconic Ferengi in Star Trek, but Aaron, his portrayal of his boy. I, I I love his character so much in DS9. Um, we really miss, uh, as fans, we really miss his presence in the Star Trek universe. And it's, uh, you can, if you ever wanna like go play some missions with Aaron, you can log in and play with Nog on Star Trek Online. So uh, Aaron did the voice of Nog uh, as Captain Nog in Star Trek Online. I love that STO advanced that character storyline and he becomes a captain in Starfleet as Nog should have been. So um, I just wanted to, to send all my love to to the rest of the fandom, the Star Trek fandom out there that is also missing Aaron today. And um, we love you, Aaron. We miss you terribly. Um, with that, if we don't have any other announcements tonight. I well, think... I don't see how we possibly could after that one. That one feels like no one should go after that one because no. like, that should really sit there at the end before, like after everything else in their show. Absolutely be. not. If Aaron Eisenberg was here with us right now, he would be delighted to know that we are celebrating Star Trek as fans of Star Trek, playing Star Trek adventures with you guys, the Ox crew, and each other as family. So, right, but I had like a and d announcement and that really doesn't fit the five. Oh, I thought I was the last to announce. Go ahead, throw your D&D announcement <laughs> out. What you got? Um, so I've talked about a D&D game that I play focused on social and intrigue interactions, really kind of a Game of Thrones style thing in a post-post apocalypse of <laughs> Dark Sun. And the LFM Network is putting out the second season of that, but also it is itself a good pickup spot uh, because today, the first of the prologues aired. Uh, so if you want to hop onto that, uh, I strongly recommend checking out Rise of the Veiled Alliance. Uh, we are a split two crew because I will do this to every show. Yeah, I know, right? They will all be bifurcated. Uh, so check out uh, twitch.tv slash LFM network uh, for Team Obsidian, the cool ones. The cool ones. Uh, but tonight, I'm back with my whole crew, whom I missed so much and whom I loved from chat and adored from chat <laughs> so hard. And so now I am returned to them and I am excited. Let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies.
Welcome back, everybody. We're getting ready to jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. You don't know this, but Sam has a dog in their lap. All right, let's get to our recap. I knew you were going to do you that. You bet I your ass I was going to do that. Broke the code. Ferocia. I think nothing sacred during the intro. Ferocia you lost in the dog and... privileges. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Fox crew. Ferocia uh, oh, saying hi to everybody. Sup, Ferocia? Hi. Are you going to be our red shirt tonight, Ferocia? Eric. <laughs> just asking. Campbell. I will All right. destroy you and everything you ever loved. No, please, yes, recap us. We're picking up at a pretty critical moment. When we last left off, we had the captain and the other half of the crew emerging from a wormhole that was created by an after effect of the probe detonating in order to unmask the cloaked bird of prey. This was not planned. It was not anticipated, and shenanigans are clearly afoot. There was obviously some sabotage taking place in the Torpedo Bay. Someone was spotted. Um, an Andorian, from what they could tell, um, weren't able to get a good look at who it was, but they appeared to be an Andorian leaping over what seemed to be torpedo casings before they vanished from sight. That footage has not really been... An investigation has not been possible. Right now, the USS Ross is holding on at minimal power and tumbling through space. Um, this yesterday massive scale six, galaxy class scaled Federation starship is currently- We're steady, we're steady. Yeah, Vryn has been using maneuvering thrusters. Yeah, Vryn has been using maneuvering thrusters to get you guys back into control. The spin has stopped. The momentum has not just yet. Also, the problem is arising from the fact that shields are down. Sensors have been all but knocked offline. You do have visuals through the view screen, but it is scattered, much like it was in the Star Trek movie when they were going through the nebula. You're getting a lot of static interference coming through, but you were able to make out the emergence of the Orion Interceptor, and impossibly, absolutely impossibly, Odds that are beyond astronomical, emerging from a wormhole that magically appeared in front of you guys out of nowhere, right at this particular moment in time, emerged the Orion Interceptor with your captain on board, who is literally supposed to be on the other side of the quadrant right now, and has requested a status report. The status report, as we all remember, is dicey. Right now, presumably in the same situation that the Ross is in, there is a Romulan warship, warship that is tumbling in space that is currently trying to regain control of its systems. No one knows exactly what's going on on board that Romulan Warbird, but it could logically be assumed that a pair, perhaps more than three or four very agitated holographic geese suddenly appeared on their bridge and in a other various vital systems and started wreaking havoc and causing pure chaos for a brief moment there enough to when the ship was knocked out uh its systems were knocked out by the explosion from the detonation of this torpedo near the particle fountain um supposedly that ship is currently out of commission you do have its permission relative to the ross right now it's somewhere close to about four hundred thousand kilometers to the uh I, I would say to the to ross's galactic south it's underneath you guys on the axis which is y or is it y or z is it the y axis i think it's the y axis y axis yeah so it would be underneath you guys um 
Right now is a moment of chaos as well because Commander Exio has taken herself offline after experiencing what could be described as a glitch of some kind. Exio's experience, however, is dramatically different, and the other person who is aware of how different this instance is is the fact that our ambassador, Olin Majanil, felt the presence of Exio emotionally going through what could charitably be described as an anxiety attack. Exio seemed to experience a reliving of the moment where they had an encounter with Dr. Redgrave, which took place during what could be described as a dream sequence for Exio. In this case, it seemed to be rebooting. And it wasn't enough to get a good look or understand what's going on. Exio attempted to talk to Redgrave, but it was immediately pulled away from it and fluctuated right there in the captain's chair as all hell was breaking loose. We start tonight's episode just after the explosion of events and the emergence of the Orion Interceptor. The captain has hailed the ship and asked for a status report. Captain Sull, you've just been informed that the Ross has minimal power, that Vryn has been able to regain control, has not been able to halt the Ross's momentum. You have been alerted that there is a Romulan warbird out there and sensors, even though you are on a functional spacecraft right now, the explosion of ionic particles throughout this sector of space has caused massive interference to the sensor array. So you're getting occasional snapshots, like dropped frames on your sensors, on your sensor reads. You're catching glimpses of the fact that there is, in fact, what you would say is a, an energy signature that is concurrent with a Romulan uh, singularity drive, which is kind of how you pinpoint if a Romulan warship is nearby, if you can't get a make on what kind it is. Um, there's clearly a Romulan ship out there, but you can't get exact location. And in the vastness of space, 400,000 kilometers is almost, com you're, it's completely out of visual range right now. It's out there. Um, the Ross, however, is in front of you. And so is the Particle Observer Station, which has also been clearly knocked off its orbit from the explosion of the Particle Fountain. However, it does look like the Observer Station received the least of the brunt of the explosion. For whatever reason, it looks like it bared the wave of that pop in space better than the Ross did. Perhaps it was just angled differently and it just took up a different amount of mass when that wave hit. But for whatever reason, it's only got a slight drift off of its axis and would be an easy thing to correct. You imagine, though, that whatever knocked the Ross the way that it got knocked, whoever was on board that particle fountain station probably had a hell of a jolt. So even though the outside of the station looks relatively unaffected, inside, people may have been tossed around like gumballs. Um, the rest of you are currently... Why, uh, those who are on the bridge are seeing the power fluctuations going on and off. Tech, if I remember correctly, you were doing everything you could to get power back up online and tap into auxiliary power. Definitely. Tech, um, let's do this. Um, before we engage in any other dialogue, let's establish right now that I'm going to spend... At the top of the game, I'm spending two threat. Cool. And there is a fluctuation in the plasma power grid between the two warp cores on the Ross. Ah. And the very thing you've been warned about. Oh, no. Right. What's up, Tina? <laughs> uh, as, as you are spending two threat, can I argue for the fact that Exio turned herself off to aid in adding more power to... Um, uh, tech to aid him in this 
very challenging thing. So yes. is my turning myself off able to add a, a, a oh, what's it called? A, a trait. Trait. Thank you. A trait to the scene that he can that he can use, since that was the purpose of her turning herself off more so than um, the glitch. Definitely added to it, but she just wanted the power on, and her being on took power away from Tech's um, capabilities. What I would say is, is that would restore one power to the Ross, which is considerable if one power is what it because one power is what it takes to jump to warp one or to raise shields or fire phasers. I think one power is equivalent to what it would be if Exio deactivated in order to conserve power. Mm-hmm. But because I'm because I, I'm going to say this because I think it's a really cool cinematic, like juicy character choice, and because I think it's kind of sacrifice on the player's part. What I might do is the computation power of Exio reinserting into the into her own mainframe. Um, I will allow Exio to assist Great. from uh, on Ooh. this. So we'll treat it like we'll treat it like Exio assists when you make this roll to restore power. Cool. And, I like that mechanic. To yeah. clarify, we're starting with no momentum, right? Uh, that's correct. Okay. And I have down that our power was at eight. With if we're still restoring one, it would be back up to nine. Or are we not doing that? You'd that's be you'd I'm be talking. back up to nine. Yeah. Nine. This is going to drop bunch. It's it's worth noting that a ship getting knocked five power and you guys still being at eight is incredible. (laughs) The Ross, the Ross is beast. Yeah, of course. Okay, so so yes, tech. As you're looking at the computer monitors here up here on the bridge, the brightly lit displays are showing you all of the problematic areas. There's a surge of power that's starting to build up in various areas of the ship. The Ross is still online, but the the instability because of the two warp cores, the instability of all that plasma energy flowing through her conduits, the reason why most of her power has been knocked out and the reason why you're having a problem right now is, a, is because the disruption in those power conduits is actually causing multiple buildups. So imagine blood clots starting to form in the Ross where they're not supposed to form. This is your way of trying to get that to mellow out. If you don't, you actually risk major system damage and possibly worse. Install Coumadin.exe. Do it now. <laughs> I pass. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So go ahead and uh, what's up? I was just uh, I was just gonna ask what would, what would you like Exio to roll for this? So Exio, um, I'm gonna have you roll. So uh, Tech, this is gonna be control engineering for you. Okay. Exio, um, I will have you roll. You know, honestly, I think I'm gonna have you roll presence command. Okay. Are, yeah. Do we need a roll from the Ross for this? Yes, the Ross is going to have to roll engines plus engineering. Uh, the difficulty is four. Four, and I, I can't spend any momentum to gain anything, so I'm just right. going to go for it and hope for the Go path. for it. You could spend threat if you like, in fairness. Right. That is a mechanic that exists. Your cautious doesn't kick in, so you don't get the re-roll, but you do get right. the extra die if you want it. Uh, hey, why not? Let's do it. We're in a situation. We need every advantage we can get. Have a threat, and I'll add an extra die. And while you're rolling, can I argue for Exio's command exe? 
Yes, because the, the whole the whole reason I'm giving you presence command is because yeah. I'm using it was a command of, decision. Yeah, I'm kind of using the theatrical flair of Exio's decision to do this as cool. an assist. Yeah, so I would allow that. Yeah, Thank I you. also yeah. have like four focuses that could apply, including <laughs> uh, dual warp cores, containment fields, transporters and replicators, and warp field dynamics. Mm. Dual warp cores. This is absolutely what that skill is for. <laughs> you, you knew the moment she left Space Dock that your big, beautiful girl was going to have problems like this with her two warp cores. Okay. All right. We got a six and eight and a nine, which means two. No, oh, no, no crits. That's yeah, because all of those are over five. So it's two, yeah. uh, six, eight, and a nine. So that's three successes. Right. What'd you get, Exio? That's four. Two, five, six. So you guys gained two momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, two. <laughs> I, like I love CR. this dumb meme, y'all. Uh, me too. CR has nine, and we have two. RPGs will slowly ruin all numbers. Yes, yeah, Sesame Street, we're coming for you. All right. So, um, I hate to say this, we're not wholesome enough for Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So long as our Dr. Keats hit Jane has no clue what you were talking about. She would do great on Sesame's. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm so distracted because I'm trying to picture LeCat teaching Grover the finer points of the Obsidian Order. Like <laughs> my tea does not have nip in it. Thank all right, you. all right, all right. We are so off game. Right night. <laughs> Dr. is nipless. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Imagine <laughs> thinking that sentence makes things better. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine a world. <laughs> okay, tech. It's a nerve wracking couple of moments, but you've actually been preparing for this. You knew that there was gonna come a moment where the Ross was gonna have issues. It's inevitable with this much technology jammed into a starship, even in one as advanced as the USS Ross, you knew that having two warp cores that were gonna be active at the same time we're not going to just juice up how much power the Ross has, but how much she was constantly generating. And Starship systems to this day are still in that finicky era where that much power flowing through their systems can be a double-edged sword. You were ready for this moment. Motivated by the fact that Exio just took herself offline to help you redirect power where is needed gives you a sense of focus. She's offline. She's depending on you. The senior officer took herself online so you could do your job. Not only that, when I look at the console before me, I can see lighting up because I can only be in one place at one time. I see my crew coming together on the other warp core, and we have to work together. And I know that Singh and Dari, everybody is there working together. Yeah, that's great. Like up in the up in the upper right corner, there's like a small window where you're keeping tabs of what's going on in the warp and the secondary warp core, which is just a deck below you. Mm, um, and we're completely in concert. It's and it had such a rivalry. And now mm -hmm. <laughs> Ox Crew and Singh all working together on warp core number two. And you see the power in that great scion glowing column just beginning to stabilize visually watching it as this smaller warp core that's underneath you guys is beginning to finally starting to slow its power output down so you guys can regain control of the plasma output of the ship 
At about the time this is happening on board the bridge of the USS Ross, Lacat, as the captain has asked for a status update, your sensors on board the interceptor have detected massive power fluctuations in the Ross. But about the time that you get that alarming sensor read, you detect the power fluctuations are beginning to fade. Captain, I think we're starting to get back on track. Good. Whatever's going on over there. Can we get yeah uh, the, the station? Yeah, I was gonna um, say, can we get a sensor read on the station? Like, is that possible at all? You can give it a shot. It's a reason science check. And I'd like well, to open a channel. Thing, guys, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reason science check in the interceptor. I think the interceptor doesn't have the greatest sensor suite. <laughs> um. It might not, but um, I do have a new, um, I believe, a new talent that I picked up called Technical Expertise. So um, I have that working in my favor, which is great. It's basically it? like re-roll a die whenever you use the ship's computer sensors, um, if, if I need to, including um, the die, if I need the die that I need to re-roll, it can also be the ship's die, which is great. So I'm going to go ahead and roll nice. the science. Okay. Difficulty I'll roll for here. Terrazzo's baby. Okay, cool. Difficulty is three. Difficulty is three. Wonderful. Um, and I'm assuming I can use my uh, sensors. Yep. Uh, then in that case, I got a three. Okay. What did Taraz's baby get? Uh, no help from the baby. The number but if, no, if the baby wants to roll and it's uh, momentum, we can. Because of my technical expertise. Oh, I can oh, just you... go for the reroll for free, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. risk the complication, but uh, ship looks pretty automatically so much well. All right, well, do it. Not that the auto crit helps. It's mm. a one science. Uh, no, also not a success. Very close, but didn't hit a complication. <laughs> All good. All right. You're getting scattered sensor readings coming through the computer. The interceptor sensors, you're reminded again of how good you have it on board a starship, <laughs> Lacat. The USS Ross may not be built specifically for science and exploration, but she's got a fine sensor suite, a Federation sensor suite. And this thing, you're looking at it like this is a machine that is clearly built for speed. As you're scrambling through the sensors, you're having to constantly adjust the array so that you can get a finite reading on what you're looking at. But eventually you do see that the particle fountain station is also experiencing uh, power fluctuations throughout its grid. They don't look dangerous, but they do look unstable. So. The power station, however, Captain, is not having the same luck that we're having. They are unstable. They unfortunately do not have chief tech, and that is a rare asset, unfortunately. Can we open a channel with them? Find out if there's anything we need to or can do with help attend to injured, That's perhaps. what I'd like to know, Captain, to see if there are any injured on board. Mr. Prawl, can you open a channel or give it a try? Giving it a try, Captain. Prawl sitting in one of the chairs towards the back of the interceptor. Um, this wall of computers that he's sitting in front of, kind of facing away from everybody, uh, as he's typing in what looks like commands across this green Orion, like this green and tan Orion uh, communications board. It takes him a few moments. You see him pause and readjust. It looks like he's actually trying to refamiliarize himself with Orion technology and reading the reading the computer pad in front of him. And at about that point, the Gorn leans forward and says, you want help? He just says, I'm fine, thank you. Just let me do my job, please. 
a few moments later and you hear him say, hailing frequencies are open, Captain. And you hear the static on the other end and you see him shaking his head with irritation. Captain, it's not on our end. I think their communications have been knocked out. All right, well, on the off chance they have output, this is Captain Azari Sull of the USS Ross. We are here to render aid as able if you are able to get your comms active and respond to this transmission. Let us know your status and if there is any aid we can proffer. We have a doctor aboard our ship of the finest order who might be able to tend to any injured and techs who can help get your power back online. We're sensing some fluctuations from you on our end. I repeat, this is Captain Azari Sell. We are here to render assistance, respond as able. It's a few moments of quiet. And Prawl stiffens in the chair suddenly and says, Captain, something, something. And he turns and looks in your direction like cat, just as the sensors begin to indicate something. And about the time you see it on the sensors, a shadow passes over the front part of the cockpit of where you are, the flight deck where you all are, and blocks out the light from the particle fountain, casting you all in darkness as something. Yeah, would that be the something, Commander Paul? something is hovering, lingering above the ship. Whatever it is, it is larger than the interceptor. And shields up. <laughs> Prawl immediately raises shields. You see this thing. The best way to describe it is it looks like a wavy horizon dropping down, almost like someone's pulling a curtain down across the eyes of the interceptor in front of you. And then you begin to notice that it's kind of waving, fluctuating, hovering. Lacat, you were getting biosignatures erupting all over your sensors plasma energy it looks like there is a creature just outside your craft just and judging and judging from the sensor scan it's scanning you what you're detecting is an energy read coming towards the ship it seems harmless and the shields don't seem to be stopping the scan itself but if you didn't know any better you would say that the wave of energy that is currently sort of lapping up against the whole like waters of the ocean this plasmic feed actually would indicate that this creature is kind of tapping you on the shoulder curious about you the general read in the sensors is is the thing has the dimensions of a flatworm except for that it's about 80 meters long about 30 35 meters wide do i have any ever seen something like this before Um, no Okay. That's no. what I was going to ask. If I, if McCrell had any medical knowledge of this uh, creature. No, as you are looking at this, it, the closest thing it resembles is the flatworm from Earth. Which is literally just like, if, if yeah. literally if you took a worm and just flattened them out and kind of spread them apart a little bit and they just kind of, they swim along in the ocean and very much similar to a flatworm swimming through the ocean, this thing is kind of hovering above the interceptor right now. Lacat <laughs> is just like stunned for just like a millisecond because this is kind of the last thing she was expecting. I think she was expecting like 
Romulan like tech to like jump out of nowhere. And then the fact that this is just a friendly flatworm, friendly. Um, so, but, but uh, immediately she she wants to uh, um, like, oh my God, scan it. But then also you said that it was scanning her. Um, just, just trying to scan the interceptor. It seems the, the sensors, the sensors indicate that whatever it is doing, it, it, it is registering as a scan. Okay. Like great. It's trying to figure you out. Um, captain, I, this, this is unexpected. Um, and, and I, but I don't think it means us any harm. Um, I'm doing my best to catalog it at the moment, but I do not know what this is. And Lacat is just what? Uh, but she's 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 keeping her captain updated. Um, okay. so she would like to. Um, so so all this is doing is just getting in the way between us and the particle fountain. You no, say. no, not really. It's literally like you guys. If if the Ross is here and okay. you guys are headed towards it, yeah, this creature is literally just kind of hovering above you guys. Right. The Ross is ahead. Uh, the Spectre is below, and uh, the wormy boy is on our dorsal side if you can imagine those like the buffalo in africa that have the yeah, little bird okay. have the little bird sitting on their back kind of the same behavior this thing is just kind of hovering above the interceptor and doesn't seem to be interfering in your operations except for the fact that it's <laughs> it it's sheer size is actually causing some light to be blocked out from the particle fountain giving you this shading effect here in the flight deck Okay, Jane is now fascinated, but she's like, I don't have time for this. Um, I, <laughs> I have uh, other things I need to focus on. So she's just gonna keep an eye on Wormy Boy, but then focus back on uh, getting, making sure that the sensor stays stable um, for okay. Colin and keeping an eye on the particle, uh, on, on the uh, station ahead. Okay. All right, uh, while you're doing that, Lakat, you can start to run the energy signatures coming from the life form through a linguistics algorithm. See if there's any sense to be made out of it and let mm -hmm. that run while we focus on whatever is happening out there, mm -hmm. which I would love to know in the greatest detail this excuse of a sensor suite can manage. <laughs> oh, Captain, you speak my feelings. And so, yeah, she would uh, she would like to get a team of scientists um, examining Flatwormy Boy. Okay. Yeah. So, how do you plan on doing that right now? So, right now, I I mean, I think that like priority wise, um, like, is there a way that I can? I mean, like, basically dispatch like a small team. Like, I'd like to scan Wormy Boy, scan any like outputs in terms of like sounds, in terms of just like, and like in terms of like even movements, and then like collect as much data I can on him, and then like give that to a team um, to preferably like start taking a look at to see if there's any way we can communicate with this creature. Um, it's a frustrating situation for Lacat because the the interceptor that you were on is basic. Like you're, you're gonna get, you're gonna get some pretty basic sensor reads from this thing, but you're not gonna get the detailed sensor information that you're gonna get from the USS Ross, who's currently trying to get their sensors back up online. Yeah. Okay. We have some scans. Don't worry, Lacat. I know. We, we have some. I promise. We All don't right. know, and we're going to be opening a channel to try to get as thorough a report. I know we got Captain. A I think report like. <laughs> 
Captain, statement? I think it makes sense to focus on the station right now because I can try getting readings on this creature from this hunk of junk, but I don't think they will. It'll be useful. Relay whatever you have in a low priority comms packet under whatever we're doing. You can send that to your teams on the Ross and they can start to get to work on what they have. They don't have sensors up to get any new data, but they can run numbers on whatever they've got. Copy that. I was going to say, is there any other consoles on the ship that I could assist in some possible way to attempt to do any kind of medical scans, in a sense? Probably not. An Orion Interceptor? Analyze the data. Whatever kind of basic thing it is, you can, like, your... I feel like McCrell's very excited about this, but has just been watching the chaos back and forth. Communication capacity would really be what's most useful. Yeah, that's what I'm figuring that out. That seems like it's biological. Yeah, ultimately the the problem is is that y'all are on an Orion Interceptor, and this is traditionally a ship that is created for acts of piracy. Orion Interceptors are designed to be fast attack ships, to get in, beam on board, attack a ship, take what you want, get the hell out before they can catch up with you. Not a lot in the ways of like scientific equipment or, or medical equipment on here, unfortunately. Right, but with opening some kind of hailing frequency or trying to find a way to communicate with this creature, uh, whether it be just getting some kind of like sound waves or whatnot coming back, I have a talent that would help with this. You would need, you would definitely need to get some kind of equipment that could do that. As I said, like the sensor equipment on board the interceptor is basic. You're Even gonna like get- Like if it was just like, you know, kind of like a whale sound. I know that's not what it is, but you know what I mean? Like. Uh, if it's kind of- I mean, you could certainly try throwing open hailing frequencies to see if it responds. Okay. Because I have a talent uh, that actually might help with that. But with, I mean, regardless, we should. We'll put the talent on. Let's see if there's another way we can use it. Yeah, we could try what and open it. What I need is a more thorough status report from Ross to find out what caused these fluctuations on the station and on the Ross. And am I credited with? knowing about anything else yet? Is there anything else out there? Uh, I, I can't perfectly remember the language of the report. All Somehow, yes, Ectio were... is out of commission just looms so vividly in my mind. Yes, you've been told that Ectio has been taken offline and you have been told that there is a Romulan warship out there that has been disabled. Oh, hello. My first priority. Mm. We are finding it as best as possible we are getting weapons lock upon it. And then, and I cannot overemphasize this, only then will we try to have a nice conversation. So the Tetrion effect of this detonation that initiated the wormhole is severely limiting the sensor range on the interceptor. So the moment you try to go to anything even close to a medium range scan, you get back nothing. And it's not I was a, hoping for the station. Maybe they might have working sensors that could relay over to us. It's possible. Well. It's possible. But if right they now, don't their have communication. Problems, we can't do relays. Yeah. So, what are our options, Lookout? Um. <laughs> so, I mean, without comms and without relays, uh, is there any way that I can, like, I mean, try and like boost the signal or like try to take away the trait of unstability. Um, 
I will tell you this, that yeah. anything you attempt to manipulate in the scene is going to be severely limited by the fact that you're on the interceptor. Damn. The interceptor is just designed for speed and transport and possibly attack. It's not designed to, it's not, it does not have the capabilities of the USS Ross. Then let's get off this let's, interceptor. Let's, we are not getting off of the ship with the functional weapons, I'm afraid. Oh, touche. <laughs> we have the capacity to shoot at things. We don't have the capacity to find them. The Ross might have the capacity to get the sensors back online. But until they do, we can't find them to shoot at them. Um, is there any way I can help the Ross get its sensors back online then? Um, if you wanted to go to the Ross, you certainly yeah. could. Yeah, let's do that then. Um, no point in doing that. Let's 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 uh, let's move there then. Um, I so uh, yeah. maybe has transporters. Yeah, Wait, we can uh, beam. We can beam staff over as needed. Yes. Oh yes, this is again. Again, this was designed for piracy, so absolutely has the capacity. And we're good to use it in the tetrionic environment as well. Yeah, it's not going to interfere with the transporter beam. Yeah, it's not going to interfere with the transporters. Cool. Um, Then in that case, Sayonara, Captain. Yes, I'll beam you out. Okay, Lacat, you go stand in the center of the interceptor. Captain takes the pilot's chair. And a few moments later, this greenish glow of the Orion Interceptor's transporter being activated. Mm. A few moments later, you can feel the environment shift to the cool currents of the USS Ross environmental system. As you begin to materialize on the transporter pad, um, you see a young ensign finish the beam as you begin to appear on the pad. And Lacat, if I remember correctly, you're still not in uniform. Aren't you still dressed? Oh yeah, I'm still dressed in Cardassian military clothing. Mm-hmm. So this this ensign, as as you appear on the transporter pad, the ensign goes, Lieutenant? Uh like uncertainty. <laughs> like in their voice. On the shoulder and does not even bother. They just um, walk out. <laughs> yep, just out. Let's go. I need to fix my babies. Um <laughs> So can she go back to um, her her station? Like that's that's what she's mm-hmm. going to be on for. Um, yeah. And then what what exactly is the readout currently telling her on that station? Um, is it saying like low battery or like what 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 is it? When when you get back to your science station yeah, on the bridge? Yeah, when I get back to my science station, I'm gonna okay. My reading. So when, okay. So okay. So returning to the bridge, mm-hmm. um, the moment the doors open. Uh, You see a couple of people turn around. There's a security officer at the tactical station whose hand almost goes to their their phaser at their side when they notice that it's you and they meet Lieutenant. Vren in the chair swivels around. Chief Tech, you see see LeCat step on the bridge dressed in full Cardassian uniform. I'd also like to point out, LeCat, the moment you step onto the bridge, what you see all around you Mm -hmm. is... Uh, mostly junior staff and chief tech. And it occurs to you as you take stock in the fact that you do not see Exio, it takes a split second for you to realize that the moment you step onto the bridge, you are now technically the highest ranking officer of the oh. senior staff because chief tech is not is not, not quite. Considered- Bren easily outranks. Uh, there's also Rogers who oh. I Rogers is no. currently in charge, right? Oh my Bren, God! Lieutenant Rogers, Vren, 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 and Rogers are both junior grade lieutenants. So, in in the scheme of things, uh, what's that? I mean, so is so is Lacat. Yeah. And time and rank puts uh, Bren above. 
Oh. Oh, geez. Is Ren the highest ranking? It, I think it's, I mean, it depends on whether or not it's Ren or Gers. We had established, we, we had just talked about last week about who would be next in line after Exio, and Lieutenant Gers was next in line. Right, because nobody else from the original senior staff was on, on the bridge at, the, at that current moment. Right, but Vren would have been, so Vren wouldn't be the highest ranking officer in that case. It would really depend on what grade lieutenant is, but I don't want to get into the gradients of that. It was mostly just like a dramatic choice. We'll go ahead and keep it the way Got it, it is. Got it. Okay, Vren, so, so, because um, he's a more interesting NPC. No, uh, we're going <laughs> to leave. More, we'll, a more established No, we'll least. leave it the way it is. All right, yeah. so you oh, step wait, onto the it, bridge. Is it a cat or is it a gorsh? Gersh? Gersh. Gersh. He's currently sitting in center chair. Crappy that. Okay, so you dash down towards your science station. Mm -hmm. um, the moment the ensign moves out of the science station and you sit down into the chair, uh, the computer display comes up and you begin to start getting immediate feedback from sensor scans that have been constantly scanning this life form as well as the surrounding area. You're also getting a good snapshot of what's been going on in the Ross. You're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of power fluctuations. Chief Tech is currently completely absorbed in their work. But uh, Tech, you do miraculously see that Lacat has reappeared in full Cardassian uniform and has taken her science station. Um, but to clarify, so Tech has stabilized everything on the Ross, though, correct? Is is that he, he has stabilized the power fluctuations? He stabilized the power fluctuations. Wonderful. Um, and so then, in that case, I would like to go ahead and um, get additional sensor readings from. Um, the power the the station just to make sure they're if they need our help that is first priority and then we can get the life form sensor readings so in terms of what i'd like to do next can i get a sensor reading on um the station in front of us so um, the, the if station, help medically the, the station is not that far away so i won't even have you roll for it it's an easy okay. check you basically get some base you basically get the information back that the station is currently has fully functional life support it is also having uh power fluctuations you detect a full complement of life forms inside but you're not getting too much more information than that sensors are unfortunately still not in full power the power okay. fluctuations have stopped but ross's problems with systems being offline has not stopped okay that that's going to take a moment to get back up online Okay, so um, it's good to see you. Well, I've got some information for you, okay? I, I think this thing that is here was birthed from the particle fountain, which may have reacted to a torpedo that we may or may not have shot into it. So there's a lot of interconnected things that are going on right now, but most of all, I'm wondering, why are you wearing that, huh? Not the most important question. <laughs> Certainly not the most important question. To scare everybody and sort of bringing up some bad memories. Just yeah. want to let you know. Well, you know what? They, I've got bad memories too. They need to get over those right now as we try to figure out how to get the Ross back up and running. Anyway, understood, Lieutenant. The back up to full function. Is that an order? Oh my God! It might be. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'll get right on it, and Tech will leave the bridge. Okay. Yeah. Tech swivels out of the chair, walks straight to the turbo lift. Um, what is Olin feeling from Tech as you leave the bridge? So uh, Tech is was aiming for some empathy from a friend. Uh, he was expressing <laughs> emotions and, of course, got nothing back, which is to be expected. And so he can't work in this environment. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Olin, you're picking up the peace out energy, like, fuck this, <laughs> kind of. 
I don't have to take this. I'm going home. The yeah. strong Steve Ur- Urkel energy happening yeah. right there. <laughs> I hope that means he's helping. Um, and Jane turns back to her station and tries to get, uh, tries to assist her sensors. Honestly, she comes back on comms um, and uh, calls tech back on comms um, and uh, wants to k- keep updated on how her sensors are doing. And the second they're up and running again, she wants to run those scans. Lieutenant, I will work as fast as I can, and I will get it up and running as soon as I can. If you tell me that sensors are the priority right now, I trust you. I understand. I'm here for emotional support. Not needed. Tech out. <sighs> Olin just kind of hides their <laughs> their face a little bit behind their hand, and it's like, it's the, oh boy kind of like energy happening at that moment you hear the rather cheery tone of Vren next to you going how you doing lacat not now tech i mean (laughs) you know what let's say that she freudian slip she actually calls him tech um so i'll let him (laughs) Vren just nods and goes i'll let him know Um, and turns back to his station Uh, I'll pass that message on. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, LeCat would just like try to keep getting as many readings as she can and keep her eyes on her sensors until they're up to full power. The sensors that are, the information you're getting back from the sensor array of the USS Ross tells you a few things. It tells you that the power fluctuations that are taking place on board particle observer station are problematic. You don't know exactly what's going on over there, but judging from the impacts and the wave information you have on the explosion, which is appearing on your sensor readout, they, yes, you can confirm, they probably got knocked around real good mm-hmm. when that, that torpedo detonated. Judging from what you can see at the layout of the probe that detonated near the particle fountain, this reaction that took place in the formulation of the wormhole was a result does not match the specifications that tech built that probe to. It should not have been able to do that. So there's some contradictory information appearing on there. The next thing that you see is that while sensors were still in their fluctuation, they were able to get a read off of that life form. According to sensor logs that you're looking at, the life form approached the USS Ross shortly before you arrived and did the same thing, scanned it. From what you can tell, based off of its bioenergy readings, on its, on, and in fact, the exo, on, on the xenobiology database of encountered species in the Federation database, this is a new life form that has never been encountered by anyone from the United Federation of Planets. It has never been documented before. And judging from the sensor logs, this creature emerged from the particle fountain, which would indicate that it either lives from, lives in or came from subspace, which the implications of a life form living in subspace kind of boggles the mind a little bit. The fact that it's kind of behaving the way it is would indicate that it doesn't know what you all are and seems to be very curious. And judging from the sensor readout that you have in front of you, it's still hovering over the Orion Interceptor. Oh boy. Um, so Jane's actually like kind of concerned about just everything going on, but then also just wanting to make sure that almost like this flatworm boy like is uh, is 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 just doesn't get in the way of things. 
Um, like that, that is genuinely something she's worried about. And so she'd like to try and figure out if there's a way that she can get it to play like fetch with something else. Like if there's a way that she can toss something out there that's shiny, that distracts it, but also gets it away from the situation and just like makes this less complicated. Um, yes, but that would probably take some doing. So you might need to get some systems back online, but you might be able to create like an energy pulse somewhere to distract it. Yeah, you get like an energy pulse or even just like a sound that it like follows, like she could like toss a sound. Okay. <laughs> just, just something. Yeah, with, with the Rasa systems in the shape that they are right now, it's going to be tricky to do that. But once tech has things up and going, it might be it might be possible. Okay, then she's just got to wait for tech. It sounds like. Yeah. Uh, what's going on back you on the shuttlecraft? You know what? She's not. She's gonna sit on it. She like <laughs> I think that's why sees her like go for a calm and then like. Uh, <laughs> and she's gonna turn around and say. Uh, how do you think tech is doing with those sensor updates? You're asking uh, Vren? Yes, I'm gonna talk to Ren. Vren looks at you and says, well, he seemed pissed off for whatever reason and nothing makes tech happier than fixing things. So that's I'm, true. Sh I'm sure whatever's wrong with them is probably gonna be fixed double time now. Here's to hoping. Yeah, although maybe, maybe pissing him off isn't the best way to motivate him to repair things. Although, if I can be honest with you, LeCat, he leans over and says, I have no idea what you said to piss him off. I don't know what I said to piss him off either. She's going to confide in her friend right now. This <laughs> okay. My clothing. What am I supposed to do about it? Um, I don't know. But if, if it was me, I would try scaring people personally. <clears throat> then I'd get shot, though. So maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, I'm into scaring people. That's, that's probably a good idea. I'll try that next time. Thank you, Vren. <clears throat> Sorry, you hear from the center chair behind you both. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure this is relevant conversation right now, lieutenants. It's not. Okay, and we go back to our sensor scan. So I'm Vryn, gonna Vryn, Vryn hears that and then looks at you kind of like with this look on his face like, oh, like it's a, it's a young budding Azarisol. <laughs> like <laughs> kind of gives you this look of like, it's almost like our captain's back as the two of you separate and go back to focusing on your work. <laughs> <laughs> the two students in the front of the class who are always talking when they shouldn't be. Um, back on the shuttle, what are you guys doing? Pacing. I don't usually pace, but today I, uh, I pace. Uh, I'm nervous, which means Everyone's nervous. Feel the adrenaline flowing through you. Is it useful? No, but it's what I'm feeling, and I failed a Chloros check last week from chat. So <laughs> I'm losing my shit, and so is everybody around me. Sorex. Uh, Go, uh, Sorex has actually approached the flight deck and is leaning. He's been sort of getting his feet back. Sorex is still kind of experiencing moments of dizziness and wariness, but he's been taking it slow. He leans up against your chair as he's looking out into the dark of space. Before you is that beautiful, endless, impossibly dark black curtain of the void of space with a smattering of stars and the USS Ross currently sort of sliding away from all of you. Um, above you is this unknown life form. And out there somewhere, where you imagine Sorex is not even looking at the life form above or even the USS Ross, you see his gaze is cast out and he's just looking around. Oh, 
there's no way he would be able to spot anything, but you can sense it. It's the same sort of anxiety that you're experiencing, Sal. Uh, I'm just going to see, like, just feel the anxiety around me, see my captain pacing back and forth, and just uh, speak up. Would anyone like some tea? Captain. I'll have tea. What is tea? I'll make some. Um, but Captain, I do have some special tea that would calm you down if you would like. There's not much we could do from here. Until a cat gets up the sensors and until we hear back from this station, we are basically just waiting. It's not. It's not that. It's Axia. Captain, Prawl pivots in the, in the chair and says, if I may, I recommend we all return to the Ross immediately. We're vulnerable against any attack from a Romulan ship out here in this vessel. And the Ross needs you, Captain. Yes. And uh, I gesture for uh, McCraw to take Con, because I think uh, McCraw's probably the highest rated Con officer right now. Mm, I take Con. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. Let's have the Gorn drive. The boss, please. Move. Yes. And this hulking Gorn just kind of shifts around you as he moves up towards the seat. Grab you my tail because he's way too big. He, as he moves up, you see he reaches down underneath the seat. You hear a chirping sound like he's entered some kind of input, and he lifts the seat right out of the deck and just tosses it aside and sits down on the floor of the, sh of the interceptor where you see him pull up what looks like an arm guard to his left and right. You start to realize that it looks like this has been designed in case he ever needed to take control. It's real makeshift. It doesn't look like it's particularly clever or even that comfortable, but it's enough to keep him belted in if he needs to pull maneuvers and G. So he just pulls these arm guards up and straps himself to both sides and says, <sighs> All right. All of you, get off. Mission over. I strongly recommend that you land the ship in our bay until the Romulan vessel has been adequately cleared, Slipaz. <clears throat> Romulan wants to kill you, not me, right? Do you want to bet on that? Or do you want to be in the belly of a much bigger, safer ship? You want my ship, Captain? I run my finger down the surely faux vinyl seat. <laughs> mm -hmm. Look at Slabaz and say no. This one's all for Tiraz. May I also add, we have a unknown life form that is currently seems to be attached to the ship not physically but it might follow you and no it won't I'll stop no I ain't gonna let nothing follow me I'll shoot it 
Won't follow me no more. Unfortunately, that engagement won't be possible right now. Prawl just says, listen, could you just shut up and dock the damn interceptor in the Ross so we can get on with this? <laughs> the Gorn turns and looks at Prawl, who has snapped. And there's a beat, and the Gorn just goes, fine, and turns back to the controls. You, <laughs> Prawl is just clenching his jaw <laughs> and just says, in the time it took us to come to that conclusion, we could have been blown out of the stars by now. I'm going to make you some tea. Oh, thank you, doctor. <laughs> Normally I'd snap at him, but it's not not my fault. <laughs> A few moments later, the docking bay doors to shuttle bay one of the USS Ross is opening. It is not an easy docking because the Ross is still listing somewhat here in space on the plane that she normally flies at. But you do see the corrections are taking place as friend is constantly using maneuvering thrusters where he can to level the Ross off. He hasn't been able to fully stop her momentum just yet. Again, if you can imagine a giant cargo hauler, it usually takes miles for those ships to come to a stop. The inertia here to the USS Ross using maneuvering thrusters, as powerful as they are, is taking a little bit of time to bring her to a full stop. That being said, it's not a roll to get into the shuttle bay. The tractor beams do seem to be working, at least from the shuttle bay standpoint. As you guys are moving closer, as the tractor beams engage the ship, Captain, you immediately notice on the computer screen that they're having trouble actually attaching to the hull of the ship. The tractor beam is having trouble locking on. And you notice that the reason why is the moment it leaves the cargo bay, the scattering effect of tetrion particles in space is actually wreaking havoc on the tractor beam itself and making it very difficult. However, Slabaz manages to navigate rather aptly the interceptor very slowly into the shuttle bay. The landing isn't exactly smooth, but it's not bad. There's a bit of a... <laughs> as it sets down onto the cargo bay floor. You are now in this essentially convention center sized hangar bay as the doors are going closing behind you and the door to the interceptor slowly opens up with the ramp coming down. Just let it be known that Dr. McCrell has not changed either. <laughs> okay. I mean, neither is the captain. I specified that I got on the ship this way, so I have to hold to it until I get a moment, and I do not have a moment. Yay, Captain is basically dressed, Yeah, Captain is basically dressed like post-apocalyptic early '90s Britney Spears right now, just like shredded and scant. When they step, <laughs> when you step off the shuttlecraft, and to their credit. None of the crew members give you any stares or second glances. You just see a lot of ecstatic faces to see Captain returning to the USS Ross. Um, as you step down off the gangway, uh, you see Slabaz at the top of the ramp looking down going, I'm gonna stay here. Very well. And you see him look around for a second, like his head ducks down. And if you didn't know any better, you'd see anxiety in this lizard man's eyes as the Gorn just kind of scans the docking bay, looking specifically kind of to the floor like around on the ground. She's not here. 
<laughs> and then he leans back into the shuttle and closes the door. <laughs> I also kind of want to know what McCrell and Prawl are wearing. So Prawl, oh, right? <laughs> yeah, McCrell, go ahead. McCrell, go ahead, and I'll tell you what Prawl's wearing next. Uh, McCrell is wearing a red sequence, like sl slinky dress with a slit all the way up to the side, and her tail sticking out. Uh, and then the other side is ripped because she ripped it in case she had to like do any kind of fighting or anything. So she has like two decently sized slits up her thighs. Uh, her tail sticking out of like a really nice red slinky sequence dress because you know. We had to dress to impress. Um, Prawl, on the other hand, is being, of course, having gone to Nimbus 3, which is a desert planet, Prawl being albino, Prawl has completely covered his body. So he is wearing all of these wraps all around his neck, a hood. He had special glasses on over his eyes, a mask up on his face, which has now been pulled off, by the way, wear your masks, people, goddammit. Um, he's also wearing this long cloak. And thick boots. He looks like he is geared up for like post-apocalyptic sharp. Like he looks like somebody who's completely covered out of Mad Max, basically, and still has the dust of Nimbus Three. Like he's coming back from the Burning Man or something. Like all caked onto the top of his shirt. Um, on his back, you see the phaser rifle that he has with him has been crudely wrapped all around it. Like it's been wrapped with cloth to kind of disguise mostly what it is but also to sort of bind it. But it looks like it's kind of trying to more or less kind of cloak what it is. Everyone disembarks from the Interceptor. You receive notification on the bridge, Lacat, that Captain Sol has returned to the Ross and is currently making their way towards the bridge. And a few moments later... Uh, so I send uh, McCrell and Prawl ahead to the bridge along with Sorex immediately. Uh... And I think I need to make a, an insight or some kind of check on Exio, uh, because there's a thing that Sol needs to know about her, and I'm not sure whether they, well, I think they do, uh, but I'm not sure, so I'd like to ask Gina if I can. Uh, so, Exio went offline, does not have corporeal form. Where keep ring? Quarters. Sol goes there first. Okay. So uh, picks that up, then rounds and uh, takes to the bridge. But that is the first, first, first place they go. Okay. Um. Honestly, being that like, being that how easy it is actually to take moves to go from different places in the starship, in like say, an action round if it was starship combat, it doesn't take that much time, specifically because Exio's quarters is not far from the bridge. Uh, once you retrieve the ring and dash back up to the bridge, you see the state that everything is in. Uh, the bridge, the moment you step onto the bridge, you hear, Captain on the bridge, as the yeoman immediately stands up and approaches you and says, Captain. And she does, for a split second, have to, like, it's it lasts, like, maybe a second where she just... Captain, and then realizes what you're wearing, and then, Captain, um, Commander Exio has taken herself offline to help with some of the repairs that the Chief had to make on the power grid. She was hoping that it would take some of the strain off of the systems, even though her computer core is separate from the main computer core. The Chief was actually able to allocate some of the power in order to reestablish 
I guess, uh, the mains. I, I would have to have Chief Tech explain it to you, sir. Very good. I'll be on with him presently to get a more thorough engineering report. What's the status on the Romulan? Prawl immediately moving over to the tactical display. He pulls his hood back, pulls the goggles down, and says, Scanning. Sensors are still incredibly limited, Captain. There's a massive scattering effect just outside the Ross. Can we polarize the Tetrions and then run an attractant to pull them away? Like magnetizing, uh, polarize the Tetrion particles, like magnetizing iron fillings and pulling them to a magnet to clear the area. Lacat, roll reason science. Yeah. May I assist with uh, Mm -hmm. like inside engineering maybe? Yeah, I'd say inside engineering. Yes. The the difficulty of this is two. Three. Three. Okay. So. Because I rolled four. That's so. Three momentum. Because we lost for scene. Okay. So. Once you call that out, Lacat, you are able to confirm that yes, using the deflector dish, you could probably send out a, a pulse. However there's a possibility that an energy pulse of that nature could in fact harm the life form. Uh, can I get a, like, what are the actual stats on that? Like, like what are the actual chances of it harming this life? You're going to have to run. We can't take a chance. Yeah. You're going to, you'd have to run simulations, but yes, it is. There's a chance. Yeah. That is unfortunately not acceptable. Have we so, been able to determine how this being communicates in any way? We're running preliminary linguistics mm-hmm. algorithms. I don't know if anything has yet popped up. At about I mean, that point, because of all of his work down in engineering, at about that point, the screen, the view screen clears up. So you have a clearer visual. Awesome. Um, yeah. What, what, what were you going to say, Aki? You were, you were about to say something? It's not important right now. We can t- we can deal with it later. Okay. What's Probably up, the cat? No, I mean, I think that, like, if if it does seem like if there's a chance, like, this, this life form is going to be getting in our way, we don't want to harm it, I do want to, like, try and do the fetch thing now. Like, or okay. get it away from here. Um, so if there's any way I can send out an energy pulse, that would be awesome. You'll have to coordinate that with Chief Tech. Ah! <laughs> Don't make me play nice. <laughs> Problem, <Okay>. Lieutenant. <laughs> I was I was hoping I could sneak around that one. Um, okay, great. So um Lacat makes peace with what she has to do. And uh Chief Lacat to uh, Chief Chief Lacat to Chief Tech. Go for tech. <laughs> Still haven't gotten the sensors quite up to par, Lieutenant. I, I'm working on it, but if you keep interrupting me, I'm afraid I, I can't get things done. Yes, uh, Chief Tech. I have noticed that the sensors are not up yet, but that is not what I need assistance with right now. Okay. Um, it seems we need to get this life form that is following us uh, out of here ASAP. And the idea here is to send off a shoot off an energy pulse to hopefully distract it and get it away from the Ross and away out of harm's way because we need to be able to uh, 
basically we don't want to hurt it with anything that we want to do. Um, I mean, you you do know that there is a Romulan ship that's nearby, right? Just updating. Okay, I can hear it over the comms. <laughs> I will focus on this. I again. agree with the captain that we cannot harm this life form with any of our actions. And so for its safety, let's get it out of here. Will you help me? Sing, I need you to start working on the sensors. Uh, work with Dari. Yeah, I got you. Let me get a, get a start on this. Tech, as you say that, Sing literally pushes himself out from underneath the console that he was working on. And he goes, <sighs> right away, chief. And he gets up exhausted and Dari says, all right, I'm on it. And the two of them immediately rush off towards one of the nearby engineering consoles that accesses deflector main control. And um, focus. Okay. Okay, Before so you... I'd like to transfer basically like all the information that I have on this uh, creature to tech as well, so that he understands that just like possibly like the best kind of like energy pulse that's not gonna like you know that might it. actually attract it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, okay and so that's that's Wah. like could i possibly assist with that considering it's a life form and uh i might be yes okay I, I figured during in the orion shuttle i was probably studying its behavior studying the life form but as i was probably watching the captain pace can i make a suggestion mm -hmm. It might be beneficial to have Olin oh, assist here. Yes. Olin has been empathically connected to this creature as it has entered, since it has come out of the particle fountain. Olin has been able to sense this creature's mood, its curiosities, the things that have been attracting it, um, might be good for extrapolating exactly where it was, where its attentions were constantly turning when the energy pulses were happening. So the hot and cold of what kind of pulses are tasty. Yeah, basically something attracted this creature to come closer to the Ross. It may have just been idle curiosity or it may have been an energy signature. So does, um, so then Lacat because Olin, you're on the bridge, correct? Right. Yeah. So Lacat's going to turn to Olin. Um, and, uh, they, um, Lacat looks at them and is essentially like, can you feel it? Since the moment it came out of the particle fountain, yes, I've been kind of hoping for a moment to tell you all that, but it's been a bit hectic, so <laughs> didn't really want to interrupt. But yes, I, I can feel it. What? It's very curious about us. When the warp uh, when the wormhole opened, it ran away for a moment. Um, it seemed very startled by it um, and kind of cleared out. Whatever it was about that particular incident was distracting, disruptive, or made it nervous. After the wormhole closed, and it had been closed for a little while, that's when it came back. Um, but what, yes. What is it most curious about, about us? Is it attracted to... Well, I can't imagine it's necessarily our warp signatures since those are kind of all out of whack right now. Um, perhaps some sort of energy of our ship is 
attracting it. Um, all I know is that it certainly did not enjoy whatever was going on with the wormhole. Um, I don't Copy know. The wormhole. Copy that. Or maybe Copy. exactly like the wormhole in order to get it to go away. I'd rather not use fear to drive something away. I'd rather use... Trust me, I'm not particularly fond of that idea either, but it did it did go away, at least momentarily. Well, if a repellent is what we got to use, the repellent is what is we'll that do. what I is that what I it was panic and kind of it was startled by the wormhole. It was startled, yeah. It was kind yeah. of reacted the way like maybe a horse might if it hears a loud noise suddenly and was like, "What the hell?" and backs off. Yeah, kind of the same situation. Yeah, whatever it is Copy about that. our signatures is incredibly attractive to it, um, and I think it might also. Well, I'm not entirely sure. Perhaps it can sense us too. That's just a supposition, but I don't know. I haven't tried to test the theory just yet. Well then, um, let's assume that Chief Tech was also on comms for that. For that. Um, so Tech, is there any way, as much as I would rather have it running towards something rather than running away from something, um, right now we just need to do what we know works. So I think that we should try if there's any way we can copy the signature of that wormhole. Olin, if you could meet us in engineering, I think I've got an idea. Oh, of course. I'll be right down. And I will see you. Oh, All right. you could come too, I guess. No, I will stay here. Okay. I'm still wearing the same thing that I was 10 minutes ago. <laughs> what, I, what I love about this scene is is watching is watching Sam's eyes as Azri is like, what the hell is going on between these two right now? <laughs> You're picking up on all these vibes. Like, what? Olin kind of just looks at uh, Captain Soul before they stand to go and just goes, and then gets. <laughs> Box out. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely getting that sort of like exasperated parent from Olin as they get up and leave. <laughs> yes, this was assuredly the time. This, <laughs> this perfectly the time. Let me know when something happens. I'll be in my ready room, probably with Con. Yes, Captain. While this is happening, while all this has been going on, Exio, you find yourself standing on what looks like to be some sort of shoreline of an ocean. Waves are lapping at your bare feet. You're in full Starfleet uniform, and the sand almost glitters like diamonds at your feet. It is very dreamlike. You can feel that sort of slight tickling sensation as the sand gets pulled away every time the waves pull back from the shore. And there's that sort of fall away as you're sinking a little bit into the sand. You can definitely smell the slight salinity in the air from the ocean and the distance cry of a gull, except for the sky doesn't look blue at all. In fact, the sky looks like space. Not like the night sky, it looks like space with a splash of nebula and distant stars, gaseous anomalies, comets, all of the strange, wondrous sights that you've seen since you started traveling on the Ross. 
and before you in the water standing on the surface of the water about maybe maybe like 40 45 feet away from you you see you with the same puzzled expression that you now have as you spot yourself and by pure instinct you glance to your left and see you glancing back at you with that same puzzled expression and it becomes a, it becomes a, you become aware that there are more of you not just the one to the left and the one in the front of you and the one to your right and the one behind you and the one you're all looking at each other are we mirroring each other are they also turning their head or were they always looking at me they're at first you think maybe they're not mirroring you but then you begin to realize they might be you delayed like if you fractured into like a prismatic effect and you were casting a thousand reflections everywhere but there was lag you don't get the sense that they are am i lagging or are they lagging you is the train station moving or is the train moving um as you're looking around, you don't get the sense that these are separate versions of you. You get that this is sort of like a scattering effect. That this is, in fact, reflections of you everywhere. Not separate, sentient, alternate yous, but you. Just kind of scattered all about. And that slight delay gives it this eerie sense of, like, past and future. Exio just sort of thinks, am I able to see from their perspectives? Yes. The moment you have that thought, you see yourself standing on the shore. Huh. It's like your consciousness in between eye blinks transfers oh. immediately. If you were a biological entity, this would be extremely disorienting. But instead, for you, it's like bouncing from deck to deck. I sort of have my eyes always on everywhere anyway it makes sense that my consciousness would fracture this way always watching from every angle is there anyone else in here with me does anyone see anyone else in here with me thousands of voices echo as you ask this question out loud. And it's always it almost... unnerving to hear your own voice. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's not like calling out into a, an, a huge empty room. It literally sounds like a chorus of voices calling out. And in the distance, responding, you hear the voice of Dr. Revgrave go, Exio, we always knew this moment would come. There you are. You must have many questions. You keep it's, saying that. I'm a curious person. Of course I have questions. Everyone has questions. The only problem is you keep creating questions I want the answers to. Why does everything keep getting more complicated? What is this? 
You can hear your own frustration echoing from all the voices around you. What is this? All thousands of you echoing out into the black of space. But the only answer you get back is the sound of salty sea waves slapping against a dreamlike shoreline and the distant voice of Dr. Redgrave almost in a recursive loop saying, Exio, we always knew you'd get here. You must have many questions. You keep saying that. You keep wanting me to ask questions and never answer them. Again, a delay, and then the thousands of your voices frustrated, shouting out. God, shut up! <laughs> and again, it's almost like they're all responding to you. Is this a test? Is, is the point to just ask questions and never get the answer or figure it out on my own? The longer your sentences become, the more of a cacophony of voices build up around think. you. I thought dreaming was supposed to be peaceful. Or is everything just a nightmare? Of course this is a nightmare. I'm surrounded by myself, talking <laughs> to myself. <sighs> okay. Soon the ship will be fixed and I can wake up and then maybe we can find Captain Sol and we can figure all of this out. <sighs> but I can't talk to them because you made sure of that. I can't tell anyone what's going on. You're in a black room with a single chair in front of you and Dr. Redgrave smoking a cigarette with her legs crossed in a fine business suit, high black collar, her graying red hair kind of pulled back behind her. And she looks at you curiously and says, why can't you tell anyone? Nope, oh, you're muted. <laughs> hmm. You told me I couldn't in our last conversation and please put that out. She obediently puts the cigarette out on the chair handle and says, what did I tell you not to say? You told me I couldn't talk about what you told me last time, what was going on, what I'm made of, how you made me, where you're from. Do you want me to go on? You programmed yourself. You know what you did. I'm sorry, Exio. I don't know what you're talking about and I can't help you. Really, you don't remember... You don't remember the last conversation we had? This program has monitored that this is the first time you and I have spoken. Oh my god. Okay, so the blast glitched something. It regenerated this program a second time, because last time, this was the last time. So I get to do it over. Great. Was there anything I missed? I get a literal do-over of an argument. This is what everyone fantasizes about, isn't it? I'm sorry I can't answer that. I know you can't. Okay, I get a do-over. What do I ask? Think, Exio. So you are from an alternate reality, correct? Yes or no? No. No. You did not replace the Redgraves of this universe. I'm sorry, I don't have any information on that. I have been authorized to tell you, should you reach this point in your programming, that a lot of the technologies that was used to create you are not from your time. 
So it is not true or it is classified? I don't have any information. I I have no knowledge of any alternate realities. So I got a worse program, Rerun. Understood. What are you authorized to tell me then? Anything that's in my power to answer your questions, I will. Do you have knowledge of why do I feel so much more congested? Why am I not thinking as clearly as I why do I feel more and why is it making me worse at thinking? Um what What knowledge can you give me of who you worked with? Romulans are confirmed as a spy to aid you in the creation of me. What information do you have at a changeling with ulterior motives who aid you, aided you in the creation of me? How tainted was your... Research and implementation of me. Ixio, the technologies we use to develop your consciousness were influenced by Romulan and Dominion technologies, but not from your timeline. They are not adversaries from where I come from. So you can talk about an alternate timeline? Of course. That's the reveal. It's the thing I've been programmed to tell you once you've achieved this moment of your consciousness. Right, right, right. That's right. You're from a future timeline. Exio, you hear the clopping sounds of high heels behind you. Or work boots, or some sort of like dress shoe impacting on what sounds like a marbled floor that that sort of like teacher is approaching sound that we're all so familiar with and when you turn you see dr redgrave emerge and sit down in a chair and say hello exio i knew you'd always get here I i'm ready swear, to answer your question She's not smoking. She is wearing similar clothes, though. But you do see... Huh. The Redgrave that's standing behind you looks rather... confused. This is not part of the program. I've been trying to tell you that. Do you see? There is a glitch. The other Redgrave stands up from her chair and says, this is not a part of the program. Can either of you agree of whether I'm fit to return to my work when I am turned back on? I'm sorry, I don't have that kind of information for you, Exia. Oh my God. We're not so a I'm diagnostic from, You're program. from a timeline, a different timeline, correct? You're asking the one in front of you? I'm asking both of them. I am now sort of turned you away hear, from either of them, listening to them. Simultaneously, you hear yes, no. 
from both of them. <laughs> what can you tell me about your time? They immediately both start talking. And if you were not Exio capable of absolutely separating two audio waves at the same time, it would drive you nuts. You would be absolutely frustrated by two people cross-talking in a way that would make us GNS alumni want to just throw ourselves in front of traffic. Um, they, as they're talking, you're hearing the Redgrave who first appeared to you begin to explain that she cheated by using technologies from an alternate timeline. Um, that no longer exists. You hear the other one talking about how she is from an alternate reality, about how she came here and used technologies um, after doing some back deals with the Romulans and, the, and a changeling that had infiltrated Starfleet. You're starting to hear multiple stories with truths and contradictions coming from both sides. And when they both finish the story, there's oh that lingering God. overlap. Oh my god, am I programmed from multiple Redgraves? Is this program supposed to ignite at a different point when Redgraves deemed it necessary at a di- Oh my gosh. Is that what you would have done? This program was designed to initiate when you achieved a certain level of in, in your evolution. And a different Redgraves in a different timeline or a different universe would have deemed that a different- thing you see them Correct? both kind of they look at each other and for the first time simultaneously say we find this likely wonderful at least we can agree and speak in unison i ask you i am emotionally emotionally compromised and would like the aid of a scientific mind. If you were me, what information would you gather from you? Both of you speak once at a time. Shall I go first, please? <clears throat> I would reactivate. Would you agree? I would. If you're experiencing emotional recall or having some kind of emotional episode, the most logical course of action would be to take refuge refuge in friendship your relationships what an emotional answer from scientists um learn. you learn a thing or two when your relationships fall apart in the pursuit of your work you just never learn how to apply them unfortunately but it means that i can give decent advice that i never took Would you agree? The other Redgrave says, I would. Me reactivating may jeopardize the repowering of the ship. Your mainframe summons forth different power fluctuations. It should not have an effect unless you are pulling from a direct power source of your vessel. However, we could be wrong. I have one final question. There is an empath on my ship. They said they could feel me. 
that part of the program? In unison, they both say, you were programmed to evolve beyond expectation. Until the next time, I really hope you're ready, Tech. And I give them both a head nod. And I they, attempt, they, yeah. Um, Azari, as you take a seat at your desk and you're looking at the ring, you suddenly see it go light up in your fingertips. And a second later, materializing in the in the proximity of your ring, Exio, you find yourself in the quarters of Captain Sull, who's sitting at their desk staring at you with a shocked look on their face. Huh. Well, thankfully the ship hasn't exploded. How so long have so I good? been out? You're I... here. You're back. I hug you. As you throw your arms around Exio, that is where we're going to pause for our break. Um, we will be back in 10 minutes with part two of the final episode of this arc of our story. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you in about 10 minutes. And welcome back to Clear Skies, everybody. We're going to jump right back into the game. Um, where we left off, let's just go ahead and finish up this scene with Exio and Sol. Uh, as Sol has just thrown their arms around Exio, who has just materialized after going through a weird dreamscape and being taken offline. Um, Exio, you are currently in the brace of your captain, who is obviously somewhat relieved to see you. Um, I will point out, you feel the feeling is mutual. Oh, that's right. Um, you literally feel it. You are actually sensing emotion from Exio right now. You're getting this. You're not empathic, though, right? I'm not. Are, are oh, you I empathic? thought you feel oh, okay. it. Oh, okay. No, no, no. That's only I, I'm active. That's right. I make right. other people have feelings. Right, right, right. That's right. Sorry. Just Olin. So then what you I get... might just have to do it out of my monster insight command score. <laughs> right. <laughs> So basically, uh, yeah, you you are embraced. Like the two of you are hugging it out right now. It's quiet for a long moment. I'm so sorry. Why? When I found out that you were offline, that you were out of commission it could have only meant that you didn't go to your ring and I was supposed to clear it and I was distracted by this intrigue and this intelligence and that will not happen again we're finishing all of that uh, 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 hmm I'm going to study this <clears throat> properly. I have a lot to tell you. And 
I am. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Are you glitching? No. Um. Actually, found out. No. Um. I think the really fun word is evolving, Captain. Um. Exio, it's at that point you realize what the captain is wearing. Oh. <laughs> Harnesses suit you. This old thing? <laughs> so this is recent. You're quite... We still have Mendek, correct? Have we captured? What? No. He's still out there. We don't have sensors because the tetrion field of damnation is still out there blocking well, us we don't have shields or weapons up yet okay we then other information will have to wait um there is a lot to tell you then um mendek is um ambassador olin spoke with the romulan ambassador um M mendek is apparently an enemy to the Romulan Star Empire, or at least wanted in some way. The ship was reported stolen, and um, and we Pugino. have issued an arrest. Yes, Pugino yes. declared Mendak persona non grata. In so many words, sort of yes. Yeah, basically said that Mindak and his crew were acting against had, the Empire, and he had they, been missing. Yeah, that they kind of went off the map. We issued an arrest warrant, and sort of that he had been breaking the treaty, threatening a civilian space shuttle and the Federation ship, and then there is so much to review. There was a sabotage. We had created a sort of beacon that would disable their ship, but it exploded. There was there was an Andorian. There was an Andorian who tampered. Right? We saw it. Correct? Yes. You can there, actually there, bring up the footage. Yeah, yeah. Bring up the footage. There was an Andorian. Look, they tampered with the thing and so, with our... And it exploded. It um, was not meant to do that, Captain. So, Captain... When the footage appears as she's talking, I would say make an insight command check. Difficulty is one. Does my sense motive roll into it? Nope. Okay. No assists here. Um, also, we are out of momentum because we've changed scenes multiple times. That has taken away. We've flipped through three scenes? Uh, yes. Okay. Between between us getting to the bridge, between Exio's dream sequence. I mean, unless... Thank you for keeping track of that. Yeah, because we, we went from shuttle to Ross to... Yeah. Okay. Very very appreciated. Uh, two successes, so that'll add one back. Whoever this Andorian is, because you're watching this replay footage, first of all, the resolution of footage in this century of the Federation's timeline should not be blurry. However, it looks like it is difficult to identify this Andorian, judging from the way they're moving and judging from the fact that the footage, that the sensor feed that you're getting does not actually show you their face. What are they However, wearing? They're, wearing a, they're wearing a 
full-on black bodysuit, very similar to the one you saw briefly on a Vulcan back on Nimbus 3. Bingo. <laughs> you have a face. What's the face? This is a temporal agent, Commander Axio. We encountered one much like this on Nimbus 3, and... I believe only such intrusions would enable us to travel by temporary wormhole. Such conditions could not have been predicted by ordinary means. I believe they may have been engineered. That and that tells us that we're on the right track. Or that we weren't and they nudged us thus. onto it. <sighs> they facilitated us being able to treat Sorax and get information on Admiral Mendak from a source whose information we can trust. So they triggered it. I bet they did. The program? Yes. When the explosion happened, I wasn't quite solid, Captain, and the ambassador could feel me. My emotions. What? Yes. And I... <sighs> I had a dream. Okay. I was dreaming. Okay. And in this dream... Red grapes. Forgive me, I'm having to find the correct words to override a protocol, Captain. What protocol? <clears throat> I cannot say. I cannot say, Captain. There is a protocol in place. Dream Red Graves. Yes. Dream Red Graves. Temporal agents. Um. Alternate universe. Futuristic timelines. Me. And Ooh, it has something that one to do with your mobile emitter as well. Unclear, Captain. Well, that I know has used all manner of technologies, including those by temporal manipulation. Obey it if I trust the source. He's a bit of a clown. Hmm. Sorry, say that again. I got lost in my thoughts. I was calculating what words were redacted and weren't. <laughs> this must be a very intensive protocol, then. Yes. Um, a bit fuzzier than previously, as I am able to say a lot more words than before. More information has been learned. 
Can I'm gonna work on that. Yes? Can we look at your codebase just very quickly, because they will get me as soon as I get any results, and... Frankly, I came in here to check on you. I point to the ring. <laughs> then it seems I woke up at just the right time. I would like to take a look at your code base just ever so quickly and see which permissions have recently unlocked in your logs. It might point us toward the part of your program that this is concerning, because if you can't tell me directly due to your protocols, I can find out where it is based on what has recently changed. It would have changed the last time I shut down, Captain. I can bring those logs up now. <laughs> All right, the two of you begin to bring up Exio's logs and getting ready to dive into that. Meanwhile, down in main engineering, you, the three of you have just received information from Vren that he has managed to stabilize and bring the USS Ross to station keeping. Great. So she is now neutral, no longer uh, tumbling into space. He is reporting that the station, however, is still moving, but at a completely trackable rate. Um, he does, however, let you guys know, uh, judging from what the sensors are telling me, we should probably stop their momentum in the next 12 hours or this could get frustrating. Brent, I'm gonna need you to take point on this one, okay? I need you to monitor the station and make sure that you let that happen when it needs to. Okay. Yep, I'll watch it. Please um, focus. I'd, what I've been hired to do. Great. That, that there was a hiring process, more like a graduation process. Remember focus. Okay, tech out. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then he's going to turn over to the ambassador. Uh, listen, we don't have a whole lot of time to sort of finesse this, but I think that the that LaCat was onto something. Maybe if we can draw it away with something that it's attracted to. Obviously, it's an energy source that's emanating from the Ross, right? Uh, everything well, from the the Orion interceptor. Aha. That could qual that could uh narrow down what we need to search through. Hmm. The sig the signatures of the two ships would have in common that make us attractive to the life form, of course. Exactly. And if we start creating maybe a probe or a beam that has that energy source, we can draw it away but we need you to be able to see if it's working or not, if it's attracted to one source or not another. I can do that, I think. Fairly sure. It's a very big creature, feels very big emotions. Hmm. I get that. And I sort of pat the engineering console of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> the day this thing starts feeling, um, we are going to have to have very interesting conversation. Oh, Olin would have had so much fun with Jenny McPlantface. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, I would like to put that plan into effect then. And engineer okay. a probe that would with the so you're, you're building it you're building another probe? I guess that's what we're we're gonna okay. have to do. Okay, cool. Um so this is going to be the cat and chief tech building this probe using Olin as the as the assist for this one because it's building the probe Olin's not going to really be able to assist with that. Oh, okay. Olin can certainly monitor how the creature's responding to the probe. Right. 
so if you make a pro, I mean, the thing is, is once you fire a probe, you're not just like, well, I guess that's that. You can totally control the speed, its its trajectory. You can actually angle where you want to send it. You can shut it down. What, what we're yeah. looking for here, though, is we need to figure out what sort of energy needs to be coming out of it. And so if we could factor that into the role with, uh, with the ambassador and the assist, we can sort of group it all together into this, whether it works or not type of thing. Okay, so yeah, if you want to use that for the initial roll to gain some momentum, I'm down for that. Great. So then why don't we set the difficulty of this at three? Okay. And for this, I'm going to say, uh, you're only going to get one assist on this. So choose if you want you or LaCat to do it. I want Olin to do it. No, Olin's assisting. So who wants to be the main role okay. here? Do you want it to be you? Oh, okay. Be engineering. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, okay. So, I mean, if you rolled, it would be LeCat. It would be science for LeCat. Oh, so okay. e either either way, I'll I'll let you guys roll whoever wants. I to say do tech it. to do it because this is his room. Okay. So tech is going to be control engineering. Okay. And Olin, this for you. We're going to say this is going to be a uh, insight command roll. And, and the difficult the difficulty is three. Three. Uh, I would like, we have one momentum that I'd like to spend for cautious. Okay. And then. Oh, I got two crits. Oh, nice. Okay. So one, two, three, four, five successes. Olin got one, so that's six total. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. So the two of you begin to take the data that you've got and you begin to construct basically a program in which to build this probe. It's a lot easier than the last probe you built. Doesn't require high-tech surgery. You're not trying to literally break physics in order to get something done. Um, LaCat, make a reason science check with the assistance of the USS Ross. So whoever wants to roll for Ross, this is gonna be sensor science. Uh, the difficulty is two. Great, take, take the momentum if you want one. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll take a momentum. I got two successes, but you know what? If we can generate more momentum, better. Oh, the yeah. Ross do. Three successes. So four total. All right, so gain two momentum. cat, as you're going through the data, and they're beginning to formulate uh, sort of like a theorem about what kind of energy to use out there, you begin to notice something rather peculiar. You begin to notice that the tetrion particles that are being detected in the vicinity of this life form are sort of congregating around it. Indeed, what you're starting to learn as you're looking at some of the sensor readings is the scattering effect of the tetrion particles that were created when the probe popped. Probably, as you're looking at the data, you're starting to realize they probably should have dissipated by now. Considering the explosion, the scattering effect throughout the space, they like the sector should be clearing out by now. It shouldn't be lingering. But you're starting to see the data is presenting as this life form seems to be kind of drawing Tetrion to it. Awesome. Um, so the life form is drawing Tetrion to it, and just to confirm, but it's like the levels of the actual particles are staying consistent. Around the life form, yes. And and just to be clear, the tetrion particles that are scattered throughout the system are what's causing all the system interference. Great. So the presence of this life form seems to be 
whether it's attracting it on purpose or what otherwise, otherwise it's yeah. at the vicinity of this life form it could be logically stated that the vicinity of this life form is actually in complete sync with all the disturbances that y'all are still having seems like this big guy is the one giving us all the trouble Wonderful. yeah that is, is what the data is telling you best. yeah um tech it seems that this thing is attracting the tetrium particles it doesn't look like it's i mean obviously it doesn't look like it's creating them or emitting them but for some reason uh it that these particles are attractive to it I'm so now olin are you feeling anything What am I getting off the big guy? Well, so it takes you a moment to focus, Olin, because you're getting a lot of feelings from the USS Ross. Um, <laughs> lots of feelings from uh, the crew around you, a lot of feelings from just in general, just it's always, every time you're trying to stretch out and reach out with your feelings to, to empathically connect with another life form, especially if it's thousands of kilometers away, it's always a challenge. It takes some focus. Um, you managed to let the gentle sort of white noise hum of the engineering room lead you away from all of the sensations of people, the, the 2,000 plus people on board this vessel <laughs> that are all experiencing anxiety, excitement, confusion, uh, determination. You begin to push further and further away from Ox crew, further away from the hull of the Ross and stretching out, you begin to feel this life form that's beyond the horizon of the shields of the USS Ross, which are still down, unfortunately. You sense minor impatience, but mostly curiosity. Constant curiosity. And sort of a... Sort of like a minor confusion feeling from this creature. So Olin wants to intensely concentrate on one emotion of their own and see if they can push it out to the creature. So you're basically trying to create an empathic link to communicate empathically with the creature. Poss yes, I'm, okay. I'm gonna attempt to do that, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I tell you what, if you spend two momentum, we can turn that into a make it true sure. Narrat a narrative. Okay. So the one, the motion that they are attempting to push out to the creature is one of comfort. Okay. Uh, and reassurance, essentially. Like compassion, like safety, kind of like this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the you, one thing I definitely want to make sure is that this creature is calm when we shoot something at it or like past it. You remember the breathing exercises that your father taught you a long time ago. You have memories of the two of you sitting in meditation on these Zen-like pillows in almost a dojo-like room the two of you sitting in total silence across from each other, your eyes not fully closed, just partially open and staring down. You have memories of what it felt like to watch your breath and to focus outside of yourself rather than getting lost in your thoughts. You begin to push it a little bit further out 
and sort of using visualization techniques of the idea of almost extending your hand and opening your palm to this creature. And it, for a second, it yields a moment of feeling a little silly, Olin, as you've never actually attempted anything like this before. When there's a, not an immediate response, there's this feeling of that one might get if they walked up to an inanimate object and asked it its name and then felt shame of like, of course you're not going to tell me. But that moment only lasts a moment because the awareness that something is aware of you immediately fills your being. I wouldn't say you're aware of making that immediate connection, but you become aware that it's aware of you. And that curiosity blooms like somebody casting their breath across a dying ember. This creature immediately just <laughs> on sensors up on the bridge it might be the equivalent of this creature turning its head like, huh? As it kind of maneuvers a little bit closer to the Ross. As it does, sensors begin to go down on the Ross. Um, you begin to lose sensor data as the two of you are working on the computer. And you can see through the, the view screen, which the feed is being brought down to main engineering, that this creature has gotten a little bit closer to the USS Ross. It's edged a little bit closer and it's keeping its distance. But by now, Tech, mm -hmm. at this range, you're starting to see the cleverness of Tech and the cat working together. You're starting to see the obvious connection between the Tetrion particles and this creature as it begins to wander closer to the Ross. Uh, and you manage to communicate to this thing. You, you sense this gentleness, Olin. Whatever this creature is, you get the impression that it is more intelligent than what you might say is animal intelligence. Maybe something akin to like beyond a typical animal, like maybe dolphin or something. It's quite aware of you and your existence. It seems to respond. It seems surprised and maybe even a little delighted that it's connecting with something aboard this strange thing that's floating in front of it. Hello to you, too. I hope we can talk more later. Um, real quick, as a quick sidebar, at the medical station, McCrell, you see remarkable changes taking place along the surface of this creature. A coloration patterns begin to form, almost like it's acknowledging, almost like it's having some kind of reaction but you see that metallic like purpled sheen across its back begin to fluctuate into vibrant prismatic colors that just kind of flow down its back a little bit until it turns into this solid deep blue color i see i'm just gonna look and be like it is like a mood ring <laughs> yes <laughs> I see. If we de-differentiate de, de, uh, the colors to its moods, we could maybe also communicate with it by color. I'm going to send that information down to... Okay. Because if, if, if we can get it further away, to, we can get our sensors up or something, if we could, like, put something with our shields or, or like... The a bloody Romulan wrestle? 
sorry. I just I got a little excited by the idea. We can, <laughs> we can if we can communicate it by color, like like different moods. If we could, yeah, that's my my All right, Tech. What do you want to do? Okay. Mood worm, Tech. Chief Tech, it's a mood worm. Tech out. Thank you. <laughs> what do you got? You kind of zoned out on me for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I I was trying something. Yeah, it seemed to have moved, and it's a little bit closer, and uh, it seems to be emanating these tetraon particles, so that's not great for anything. So, any... Actually, I don't know if it's emanating them. I think it's just attracting them. Ah, thank you, LaCat. Um, yes, I I attempted to essentially make contact with it using my own emotional state, and it responded to me. Great, good. Tell it to leave, please. Thank you. I, you want me to try and tell it to leave? It wasn't a telepathically uh, oh. link. It was just an empathic one. Well, maybe uh, was there any leads on what it could be attracted to that we could maybe lead it away from us? I think our best guess might still be that wormhole and scaring it away from here. I don't want it to send it anywhere near the Romulans because I, well. Quite frankly, I don't trust the Romulans, and I don't think they'll be as kind to it as we are. So let's just get it out of here. I I attempted to let it know that it was safe, essentially, with my emotions. And it seemed to respond very positively to that. Wait, Ambassador, what if it's you? If you could do the same thing in a shuttle, it moved closer to the Ross because it was responding to you. You want me to get on a shuttle and and well, lead it away? Um, I guess I could try that. Lacat, would you be okay accompanying the ambassador? Of course. I think we might have to check with someone with authority, but that might be you. So, <laughs> is that an order? I mean, I authorize it. Great, <laughs> and we'll get to work. <laughs> okay. You two are going to the shuttle bay? I guess so. Playing shuttle bay. Okay. Um, just out of curiosity, is anyone telling the captain you're doing this? <laughs> I think as we're, yeah, as we're walking, I kind of look at the cat and go, you do realize that we cannot leave this ship without telling the captain. Oh, I'm absolutely aware. The cat is letting the captain know about their plan, but they're also dragging tech into it. So it's uh. kind of like, a, we thought of this idea. <laughs> Oh, so here's this I, nice butt for you to lay under. <laughs> I love, I love this like this like this this weird war that's being raged between the two of you. Um, so, um, as as so that's happening, y'all yeah. yeah, y'all are yeah. headed to the shuttle bay. Um, Actually, uh, is it possible for us to pick up Macrell on the way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Macrell, this is going to be your one chance to get close to this thing again and get a good. And I loved your color theory. Yes, the only downside is once we are in the shuttle and, in the, and it gets close to us, then we lose all of our sensors as well as systems. And we do not have the resources of the Ross on the shuttle to... If it gets too bad, we'll just have Singh beam us back. It'll be fine. He's got the kit. 
Which do you which do you prefer, Macrell? Would you rather observe from here or would you like to come with us? Oh no, I would love to come and get closer to the creature. I was just stating fact that we might be a sitting duck in the middle of a of a well Romulan ship out there with no shields and those no sensors, you know, typical. Well, they're, they're they're sitting geese at this point. That's a Yes. We are sitting foul. Uh, I just wanted to make sure that we knew the risks involved. I am more than ready to take those risks. At the same time, once this creature gets close to the shuttle, we might not be able to get it very far away from the Ross before our systems go down as well. Well, then I will endeavor to shut down my emotions as much as possible until such a time as it is necessary to, uh, well, become emotional. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to make that call, Akat? Making the call. Uh, All right. So back in the quarters with Exio and Saul. Um, so I'm elbows deep in code, and I hear what? So here's the thing: to say that Exio has lines of code would be like saying <laughs> the '80s had lines of cocaine. I understand. It's, it's far it's, more robust than that. It's it's more like every star. It's it's more than just saying that she has lines of code equal to the stars in the sky. It's more like she has equal to the sands on the surfaces, uh, uh, grains of sands on the surfaces of every star in the sky. There are quadrillion lines of code running through Exio's programming, singling out the I'm anomaly. I'm a complicated bitch. <laughs> but I love that about you. No. Somebody clip that. Um, so one of, but here's the thing, with Exio's help, you're actually able to pinpoint uh, the, essentially the, the, the bookmarks y'all are looking for, the, the telltale signs of like the anomalies that uh, you were looking for specifically and like the checkmark points of like when you went offline and where this thing may have been happening. Um, yeah, looking for a specific program that would have been implemented around a spe specific timestamp that I would know. You see a lot. Now, I'm going to ask Ex Exio, looking at your own code and looking at the own programming, you're able to see it. Sol, not so much, but you're able to see it. There's a lot of fluctuating code in here. A mm -hmm. lot of a lot of a lot of fluctuating, uh, contradictory programs that are becoming recursive and running over and over, much like the Red Grave program that you encountered multiple times. Um, it's repetitive or contradictory code. It seems like or it's both. contradictory <laughs> and it's repeating. Yes. Great. Um, but you do find what you were looking for after about 10, 15 minutes of like digging through. Exio's help is invaluable. You would never have been able to do this without Exio's speed of just going, just blasting through these lines of code and being able to find. This is probably why we didn't catch it before. You didn't quite have the same eye that I do to know exactly what my fingerprints look like. I just take a hand and, and rub your back like, Yep, acknowledge. Definitely not going to change how I feel, but like appreciate the effort. Uh, a plus. <laughs> Just I hear you. Okay. Uh, I would like to attempt to redact this program. All right. The one that's prohibiting. Ah, the this one. So you want to the 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 gag order, as it were. 
So uh, in all honesty, for narrative, this would be a two point momentum spend to make true. We don't have, we don't have any momentum. Do we don't? Oh, I don't know. We have two left, don't we? Nope, scene change, one. Oh. Uh, well, this is going so. to be quite complicated, and it seems charades might have to continue to be our mode of communication for the moment. And at that but- point, there is a chirping <laughs> sound that comes through the comms. <laughs> Please be good news. In this moment, I need good news to be the thing that I hear. Which of you, my fine officers of the USS Ross, is going to deliver me such news? Um, hello, Captain. Well, it's my belief that uh, perspective is everything, and so I have some good news for you. <laughs> it seems that this unknown life form is attracting the tetrion particles that are causing the disturbances around the ship at the moment, while the creature seems to be repelled from the wormhole, it also seems to be Attracted to Olin. So anyway, uh, to cut to the chase, it is in our professional opinion for us to get into a shuttle and lead this creature away from the ship. And um, you hear like these words spill out from the cat's mouth and then she pauses for just like a second, for a hair of a second, and then says, Chief Tech agrees with me. He's here as well. So is McCrell. Hello. And of course, Ambassador Machignol. Your permission to carry out carry this out, Captain. Perspective is everything. So I put that arm back around, and I just I gripped the far shoulder just for a moment. (laughs) Run the shuttle on low emissions. The Tetrions are blocking view of the Romulan ship to us. That means likewise you can use them as a poor trans cloak. Aye, sir. Uh, I would, you might consider asking a favor of Slibaz, but frankly, that ship is bigger and it would be harder to hide the signature. So please take Lieutenant Vren with you. He will be best able to manipulate within the Tetrion cloud and stay tight to the creature as much as possible. That will get you as far away from whatever is about to happen as possible, as safely as possible. Use the station to body block if need, just don't go. Did you just say don't go, Captain? (laughs) Don't go on this mission. I want to make sure that we are understanding you correctly. Copy that, I, Captain. I cut the transmission and an authorization <laughs> order on the shuttle goes up. Ah, okay. I'm going to, uh, con- if, Chief Tech, are you still there? Are we, are we just, it was like a big conference call. <laughs> we're all together. We're we're all Zoom, together. guys, we're Google meeting in a Google meet right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Jane would like- I reject that also. reality. Yeah. <laughs> I reject it. <laughs> <laughs> like, am, can I put myself on unmute? Uh, <laughs> Chief Tech, may I suggest also a canister of nitrogen uh, to be brought to the shuttle as well? I think once we are far away from the Ross, if we ionize it in space, it should cause a blue haze around our shuttle, which could also be helpful in communicating with the creature. We'll see that it's packed. 
Lacat is calling Ren and is basically telling him that we sorry. are. Sorry. Oh, sorry. That was I, crossed. I, I didn't catch up. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. There was delay. There was delay. Bonnie, please go ahead. No, I was just saying that's what I was doing for the past few minutes of looking up different gas facts in space of what color, what colors gases are. Gas <laughs> facts. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, basically, Lacat is just uh, calling Ren and is basically like, uh, Ren, we're going on a joyride to lead the big warm boy away. See you in the shuttle bay in, well, ASAP. Yeah, you will. Yeah! How do I do that? attracted to Azumi's Chanto, let's be real, but I feel like Ren is her soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ren is like practically skipping towards the turbo lift right now. Perfect. As one of the ensigns slides into the chair, um, moves off. About five minutes later, Ren shows up in the hangar, uh, Cargo Bay 1. Shuttle Bay one, I should say. Uh, the doors open as you guys uh, find yourselves a shuttlecraft. Now you do want to keep the shuttlecraft small, so I'm guessing you're going to be using probably not a Type Eight since you're jamming so many people into it. So a Type Eleven shuttlecraft, which is just smaller than uh, the Runabout. Mm -hmm. So it's a larger shuttlecraft for long distance, um, but it's Type the Type Eleven shuttlecraft is friend's favorite, from what you've heard. They oh. could be uncomfortable and cramped and safe. I would be okay with that when we're stuffing so many of my officers into one mission with minimal shielding. I would be okay if maybe people have to sit on people's laps. Like we've all been on that ride, like from the grocery store. Friend, <laughs> friend just goes, we're gonna take this one. Okay. <laughs> At this point, whatever friend says goes. You give me this one, if a Romulan sneaks up on us, he's going to have a hell of a time shooting me out of the sky. Great. You ever seen those bug ships that Dominion fly? I the picture. I outmaneuvered those once, but, you know, the second time I, I stuck the landing after no the nacelle was blown off. No count. Well, all right. I, I agreed to go on this, no on this joy ride for the sake of the ship. Can we please, can we please just go? As everyone's getting in, Vryn, you see Vryn just sits down into the controls and it's like, oh man, I love the Ross, but you know, flying a big ship, it's just not the same. It's... I believe now though, does McCrell outrank everyone? Yeah. Yes, McCrell's Lieutenant Commander. Okay, so we'll sit by, I'll sit next to the center chair in the engineering. Next to Commander Trail. Well, this this is a shuttle. So there's the, the, the shuttle, there's like the, there's basically four seats in the front um, and a few in the back for comfort. But- oh, um, Pat and Vren take pilot co-pilot in the front. Okay. Carl does not care about her rank. <laughs> Y'all don't have to like save a captain's job. Like McCrell's probably kind of moving canisters of nitrogen around and- all right, so the shuttle pulls out of Shuttle Bay 1. You guys leave the Ross behind. Again, you can see the spectacular view of the particle fountain immediately from outside the windows of the flight deck. You can also see the dark cylindric form of the space station tumbling in space very slowly, but it's become a dark distant shape at this point. Vren begins to maneuver as he banks to starboard. You can immediately see as he spirals around the life form, which is kind of just hovering there. 
you're getting an appreciation for how huge this thing is. 80 meters is big. Um, That's like, to give you some perspective in modern day terms, that's basically the size of, well, one of the versions of Godzilla. It's I love that you say modern day terms instead of American terms. (laughs) Well, Godzilla's international. Um, And also timeless. And timeless. Um, So, uh, roughly 200 feet. And this this creature, it seems to react to you as you all begin to pull out of the hangar bay. You see it kind of begin to ripple and wave a little bit, but it still has that blue metallic sheen, which catching the light of the particle fountain is quite enchanting to see. You're getting an appreciation for the fact that you've encountered a completely new life form that exists here in the vacuum. Not the first time the Ross has done this, but this one is not documented. Um, Vren is shaking his head as he looks at this thing and goes, I wonder if this is on the database that we recovered from that really, really cool plant lady we found on the planet with, you know, when we were... The trees. Yeah, yeah. with the trees yeah. and stuff. We should definitely cross-reference that. I agree when we get back. Yeah. Does the blue mean it's still calm? I didn't... I wasn't aware that it had changed colors until Mikrell mentioned it. What it are changed you colors? emotion-wise from the creature now? Um, curiosity calm. still, but calm. And, yeah, yeah, it's kind of responded to you, but yeah. Seems calm. I'm writing that down. All right. Taking note of that. As soon as we get into these coordinates, and I'll pass it over to Vren. Mm-hmm. We're going to need you to start to focus, okay? Okay. Bringing up the new holographic displays. These are so cool. And he just goes like this. And you see those three-dimensional holographic display for the flight path begin to pop up in front of Ren. And just goes, man, they did not have this at the Academy yet. And you see the flight path being charted in front of him. Fantastic. Can I just uh, keep an eye on the sensors as well, even though the sensors are probably pretty shitty on this thing? Uh, the sensors on this shuttlecraft are actually quite good for a Federation shuttlecraft. Oh. They are they are a lot better than they are on on the than they are on the interceptor. However, they are being they are being affected by the scattering effects, uh, especially because as you guys begin to leave the vicinity of the Ross, the creature begins to move off and follow you. Okay. Well, then I think that if if uh, she'd like to keep an eye on the sensors, if only to keep an eye on um, the Tatrian particles and how they are affecting the ship, and just you know making sure that we. Uh, basically, once the animal is clear, clear, the creature is cleared, we, uh, yeah, like, want to make sure we go back to clear. So you guys continue to draw off. Using the coordinates that were sent to you, the creature gives follow. I wouldn't say it chases, but it kind of, like, keeps adjacent to you all. I'm going to... Oh, sorry. No, I was oh. just going to say, it's behaving a lot like dolphins might when they're following a ship at sea. It kind of follows in the wake of the nacelles and you all begin to lead it away. It is worth noting that the USS Ross reports that as you begin to lead this creature away, that its sensors are starting to function again and shields immediately come back online at one point. Yeah, I think Olin is just concentrating on the emotion of like being very coaxing and kind of like very leading and encouraging. Uh, okay. As as the at like their the encouragement and the excitement grows as the creature continues to follow, it, to All right. positively reinforce uh, 
that that action. It's like, oh, Olin, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing, kind of a thing. Olin, I'm gonna have you roll. Uh, I'm gonna have you roll presence plus command. Okay. Uh, what and is my difficulty? Communicating with a strange celestial being that doesn't have any known language is floating out in space using the power of your heart. I'm gonna set the difficulty at four. Sure. This is not easy. Uh, I would like to burn a determination. Yeah. Yeah, you would. Um, uh, in order to, but I, I, which value? I kind of feel like the galaxy is my culture might be the right value. This actually would totally apply here, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, I am going to burn the value. The galaxy is my culture, um, and gain the auto crit from that. Okay. Uh, how much momentum do we have? Now we're done. Uh, because we just started a new scene. Although, can I assist with my nitrogen gas to make yes. a new cloud? Yes, you can. Oh, yes, please assist me, Bonnie. By beaming that just outside the ship and All initiating- All you have to do is beam out the nitrogen gas and ionize it a little bit and it makes a blue uh, sheen to where it looks like we now are like a shade of metallic blue like the creature. All right, make your roll. All right, I'm making my roll. Do your assist. You've already got two successes automatically. Did you just roll two 20s? No, I rolled a three and a four, which means I got four successes on top of my auto crit. And I got a nine, so I got a, a success. I don't know what I was rolling, but that would have been a success. So that, was, that, was, that, that would be seven successes. On the view screen, what everyone sees is the shuttlecraft turn into a blue comet as it's leading this creature across the heavens towards the particle fountain. And you begin to feel a connection immediately, Olin, like it understands that you're leading it away for a reason. It begins, you feel this confirmation, this feeling of understanding and a return feeling of compassion. And as this blue glow begins to envelop the shuttlecraft as it's ionized, the creature does this sort of enveloping maneuver where it swarms around the shuttlecraft for a second. Vryn stiffens and it's like, whoa, whoa, okay. Just don't bump us, okay? And you see this creature kind of swarms around it for a second, almost like it's wrapping itself around the shuttlecraft for a moment, and then breaks away and begins to accelerate ahead of you all and heading back towards the particle fountain. I wonder if, I wonder if this is a pack creature, if it's not used to traveling alone. That's why um, it us. It's a spectacular sight because as it leaves the proximity of the shuttlecraft, it too is now trailing some of the stray ionized uh, nitrogen. So you see this blue glow trailing this metallic sheened creature that's now shining with the prismatic glow of the particle fountain. It takes a few moments. You've got a like five second window before it starts entering into sensor interference range. And Vryn starts getting a huge wave of feedback from the sensors as they start going online to full power just before this thing vanishes into the white light of this particle fountain exploding out of subspace. On the Ross, all systems come back up online. Lights begin to restore to their full illumination. You see the warp core, it begins, everything begins to like stabilize. 
uh, the lights on the bridge go from dim to completely bright as auxiliary power switches to primary power. And you, the Ross is back up and running. Her shields are at full. I will say, as soon as we see it sort of disappear, Tech is going to turn like without involuntarily over to the cat and is just like, we did it, we did it, it's leaving. <laughs> Oh my god! And 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 Lacat is kind of like stunned at this. You're not mad at me anymore. Are you still wearing the uniform? He just kind of looks down. She hasn't changed out of it. In in the time that you have gotten back, you've been wearing this thing the whole time. So yeah, Lacat is like, are you not mad at me anymore? She's trying to like figure yeah. out why you why you were so quick to drop a grudge. What a concept! <laughs> the cat, it's its not you, it's just... It's hard for me to look at you when you're like this, because it reminds me of a time not so great in my life. But I understand that this is your culture, and it was insensitive of me to attribute my own feelings on top of your clothing. appreciate that. I'm just glad we got this figured out, and thanks for working with me. Thank you for helping. And thank uh, you to Olin, and he, like, turns around yeah. to Olin. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then Jane turns to Bren and is like, we only invited you because you're blue, and we thought it would help lead the thing away. And he's like, I get full credit then, right? This was me. This was yeah. me. Because and I'm you... just gonna look at everyone and went, I had gas. <laughs> Dr. McCrell, that was actually an inspired and, and wonderful idea. Thank you so much. I hope you got to see all you wanted. I, I don't, I really wish we could follow them. We took as many scans as we could with the sensors the way they were, but hopefully, like Vryn said, we could cross-reference with the information that we have gained from our friend. Friend is a hard maneuver to starboard suddenly. Oh. When he's like, sorry. Um, Everything good? Electromagnetic subspace eddies are everywhere out here ever since that torpedo exploded. Uh, All right, get us back to Tweet. There's still a Romulan out there. We're still in danger. Speaking of which, back on the USS Ross, Captain, you and Exio, are y'all, where are you guys right now? Are you still in your quarters? We're in the ready room. Okay. Uh, we're in the ready room. I, as soon as the lights come up, I'll look to the commander. Yep. Like it's it's time to go. And oh, yes. then I, you don't strictly speaking kick in a door on a starship, but I do carry the energy. Great. Um, and and there is an actual verbal confirmation of if we've gained full power, so have they. But hopefully the goose has bought us some time. <laughs> and we go through and the I door. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the what? Well, good news. It's no longer on our ship, Captain. And then I push you further through the door. I <laughs> <laughs> have on sensors. So I can call her into the bridge. As the two of you step out onto the bridge immediately. Um, Duty Officer uh, Talon, who is currently sitting at uh, the bin site, who is currently sitting at the science station in place of the cat, she turns and looks at all of you and says, Captain, we're detecting, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, she turns and looks at you and says, Captain, I'm detected a Romulan warbird, approximately 
1.3 million kilometers at the following coordinates and brings it up on a tactical display. You see they are still without power. They are currently tumbling through space without power. All right. But it is it is undoubtedly Mendak. Now, this whole thing is taking about an hour. So if their engineering team is currently working, they could be online at any moment. They would never, ever manage it as fast as my crew. They have <laughs> so much longer to go. Nonetheless, I want fire control lockup. I want shields up. And I want a hail. Prawl says, Prawl says shields are up at maximum strength, Captain. Mm, Tractor beam is ready, Captain. He looks at you knowingly with a smirk on his face. Um, I, I, I turn to the Captain when they say they want to hail. And I um, say, um, um, before the... Um, before our probe exploded, a plasma fire was shot at us, Captain. Yeah, specifically, Prawl, Prawl nods and says it's true, Captain. We detected the discharge of a high-density, high-yield plasma torpedo coming straight at us. They did open fire on the Ross with the intention of destroying her. Or at least disabling her. The explosion seems like just keep that in mind when you mm -hmm. speak. Acknowledged. So the tactical display of what happened does come up. It is a high-yield Romulan plasma torpedo. These have not been seen since the Balance of Terror episode, where these huge plasma torpedoes were capable of destroying small star bases. These are devastating weapons that stopped being used because, essentially, not only are they unstable, but they travel so slow, they were quite easy to counter. However, if you can surprise an enemy and fire from while well, cloaked, this conceivably could be devastating. Even with full shields complement, this could have damaged the USS Ross significantly. Open a channel. Channel's open, Captain. Admiral Mendak. This is Azari Sol of the Federation Starship Ross. Both your ship and mine have experienced a systems disruption, and normally that would entail a race to see who could get their ship back online sooner. I'll save you the effort. It was mine. But it must have been such a long time since you've seen your son, Admiral. I have him aboard. His treatment has been successful. Our medical, scientific, and engineering teams completely reversed the effects of the neural chip implanted by the Tal Shiar, and we would be happy to fully brief you on his current condition, if you would care to join us. I look over very quickly to Prawl to ensure he still has fire control. Prawl says, Incoming transmission, Captain. Main screen. Coming up on the main screen, you see engineering teams behind the Admiral that are at work. The Admiral's standing there with the same dignity that he's always conducted himself with. And as his face appears on screen, 
he has there's this this moment of pause where you, Azari, and Admiral Mindex stare each other down for a moment. Before he finally says, I want to see my son. Well, he waits aboard our starship. Show him to me now. I want proof. I did ask that uh, Sorex Sorex be brought to your bridge for this uh, very reason. All right, Sorex then will say, um, steps off the the turbo lifts and walks slowly and deliberately down the ramp until he takes center stage just next to you, Captain Saul, and turns and looks at a man that he didn't recognize before, who was just a collection of shadows on a holodeck before. But Sorex, that those sharp features of his, that cynical look that he always carries in his eyes, it's altered. He's looking through his eyes again, his memories all having returned. He looks slightly changed, transformed a bit. His shoulders are a little more relaxed and his chin raises as he sees sees Mindak. Mindak is expressionless. He says nothing doesn't give anything away as he watches Sorex stand in front of him. And after another beat, Sorex finally says, Hello, Father. And Mindak looks at him and says, Have you been mistreated? No, they saved my life. Twice. Captain. Admiral. Do you intend to return my son? From my understanding, there is a greater politic to which I am obligated, and therefore, I think that is a matter best discussed in concert, both together and with my ambassador. Again, I welcome you aboard. Very well. Transmission cuts. Sorex glances down and looks at you, Captain, and he says, I know this isn't over yet, but you and your crew got me here. I was very wrong about the Federation. Very wrong. We're Thank you. I am not the only one who will be learning that lesson today, I think. One at a time. The only hope to build something that will last. So we will cut to Commander Axio, Captain Saul, Ambassador Olin Marjanil, 
two Romulan Centurions flanking Admiral Mindak, who has never been on board a Federation starship before, and Sorex, all in the conference room. A Romulan modified Tavaro class warbird just outside the windows, currently at station keeping. And just to wrap this up neatly, we will say that in the time it took them to get their systems back online, you used that time to tractor the station and stop its momentum and bring it back to where it was, which would have taken maybe 20 minutes. Um, I'm happy to show off. <laughs> Mindak takes a seat at the head of the table, but not before he approaches Sorex and stands in front of him. You can see the jaw clinch in Mindek's face. You get the impression that this is an admiral, one of the most prestigious and notable warriors of the Romulan Star Empire. Probably not used to showing a lot of emotion. But you see, after a moments of hesitation, his hands clasp Sorex's shoulders. And he holds them there and looks at him. His son, Sorex, stands almost a half a foot taller than him. Mendak is uh, roughly just a little bit taller than Makrell. It's interesting that this, uh, this Romulan is, of course, notorious among the United Federation of Planets for being one of its most successful opponents. And the fact that he is standing here in this conference room in front of all of you is rather a surreal moment for, for all of you. Um, as he's clasping Sorex, you hear him in Romulan, in the native tongue of Romulan, catch a few words, but it basically comes out to what you suspect is, I never thought I would see you again. And in Romulan replying, they got me home. Mindak turns and looks at all of you and then takes the seat. And Sorex moves around the table and slides into the chair as well. You have my apologies, Captain. That is very gracious of you. But I believe we also owe you an apology, Admiral Mendak. His eyebrow quirks as he glances to your side of the table. We were under a very interesting impression when you threatened the Dishashian station and received information that may in and of itself have been questionable. But without any other proof to the contrary, we had no choice but to believe it. I'm sorry that it came to conflict between us. That is the history of our peoples. It is fortunate that we did not repeat the mistakes of the past in this instance, though we were inclined to do so. Myself, perhaps more than others. I think given the circumstances, you can be forgiven. 
my father has done very passionate things for my safety and benefit as well. I think the two of you actually would get along quite well. If the Romulan Star Empire has a future to which I am allowed to speak to your father, I look forward to that day. I don't think he would be uh, too unhappy about that either. But I do believe there is a future. And I think this is the beginning of that. I regret how I spoke to you, Commander. He looks right at you, Exio. Who? Um, Exio's had a very neutral and stern face as the entire time she has been watching. Um, and um, this is her reply. Um, you are a great admiral. But your downfall today was your lack of respect in your opponent. You did not imagine the full potential in which you could have been bested. And that's all she says to him. You see the first indication of a smirk on the side of his face as he replies, and yet it was that foolishness that led us to a peaceful conclusion. Had I anticipated your ability, perhaps we would be firing at each other right now. I would have known to fear you. Again, fear is not the objective. A peaceful offering was the first intention you fired. I'm glad you have your son back, Admiral. And I have no intention of quarreling with you. But I do hope I have earned your respect now. You have. From my side, I only knew that my son, who had been drawn into the web of lies by Admiral Sila had been sent on a very dangerous mission by the Tal Shiar. It was my belief that he had been taken captive and was going to be used as leverage against me and my navy in exchange for whatever it is the Federation might want during our moment of weakness. I never expected to learn what I have learned. It's impressive that your doctor was able to remove the chip and restore his brain. She is quite incredible. I will omit in any reports that Borg nanites were used for the sake of my son's continued survival. It is likely that the both of us will be on the hit list of Admiral Sila, as you would like to say. That is our remaining business. The Romulan alliance with the Federation is predicated on stability, and we understand the factions of the Civil War. Incipient. 
my voice carries immense power within the Romulan Star Empire. I had not yet decided whose side I would join. I had believed that Admiral Sela had the correct of it when she mentioned that the Romulans would be taken advantage of in this moment of trial by the Federation, who was there when Praetor Shinzon was destroyed. There are many who believe that the Federation had a hand in the assassination of the Romulan Senate and Shinzon's rise to power, being that he was a clone of one of your famous Starfleet captains who I had the pleasure of meeting. I had many assumptions, Captain. But perhaps now, the power of my voice will be used differently. And he glances over at Sorex. And Sorex leans over to the table and says, I can personally vouch for them, Admiral. Not only for what they did to me, saving my life and helping me, but they took great risks to see it through. I've also had the fortune of seeing what their true endeavors out here are in the Shackleton Expanse. They're explorers, diplomats, peacemakers, scientists, engineers. I'm hoping we can put our old ways of thinking aside and see that. If there's nothing else, Captain. You sent a slight tone change in Midnack as he leans back in the chair. I've been away from the Romulan territories for quite some time. It will be good to return with what I've learned. My understanding is that you were declared persona non grata in the Romulan Star Empire. This was the information we got from your own ambassador. A half-truth. I have been doing as I pleased with the crew and the ship that I have. But I was also Secretary of the Navy. And currently there is no central leadership in the Romulan Senate. I decide who is persona non grata. In that case, may we offer you an escort? Thank you. It would be very difficult to escort us when you won't be able to see us. And he rises from the chair and looks at Sorex and says, you have the choice. And Sorex looks a little surprised. When the Tal Shiar gave me the implant, they fed me false memories. I thought I had a family waiting for me back on Romulus. 
It was like mourning their deaths when I realized they would never existed to begin with. I don't know where home is anymore. Mindak looks at you all and he glances at you and he says, he glances at you, Captain. He seems to take a moment to consider and then he looks at Sorex and says, you would not be safe if you returned with me, not yet. The Toshiar still commands too much power, but I will see to that. And then when the day comes, I will call you back home. And you see Sorex's eyes well up for a moment. And they grasp each other's arms for a moment of father and son looking at each other. And when they release, before exiting the room, Mendak turns to you, to all of you, and says, Jolan Tru, Captain Sol. Jolan Tru, Admiral Mendak. And with one last glance at Sorex, he gives a small nod and leaves. And Prawl, who is in the room, reaches over and gently squeezes Sorex's arm. And just gives him a nod. A supportive nod, like immediately telling him, your crew. A few moments later, a Romulan warbird pulls away from formation from the USS Ross. And in that whispered hush, engages its cloaking device and vanishes into the ether of the dark space, setting off presumably for the Romulan star empire once more. As the day comes to a close and everyone is calling it a night after an exhausting 24 hours as the next shift catches up as everyone starts to bookmark let's pick this up tomorrow and hey Exio, we should reconnect about <laughs> the things that we as everyone is laying down their troubles for the day captain soul as you enter your quarters moving over to your desk and recounting everything that has happened since you've left space dock you feel a presence in your room. One uses the doorbell, traditionally. A voice you do not recognize says, I'm sorry, Captain. I, I wouldn't have done it this way, but protocol. <laughs> you see a man in a full black bodysuit with a high collar, receding hairline, 
and a rather urgent look on his face. Stands at about 5'8", and he's clasping his hands as he looks at you. The suit looks oddly familiar, like probably the one the Vulcan was wearing before she vanished. Oh, yes, I recognize haunted time when I see it. He smirks and says, with the mission complete, there's just one last thing to wrap up. And that's to explain a thing or two to you so you don't, pr you don't pursue this or investigate it further. Well, that's just the most motivational drive I've ever heard. Mark your words carefully. I know, it's, um, it's not good, but judging from the files we have on you, being direct and honest is the best approach. My name's Daniels. I'm not from around here. For some time now, I've been involved in a mission to get the USS Ross where she needs to be ever since she was disrupted by the life form that was implanted in her warp core when you left space dock. We've been dealing with what's best described as a temporal cold war. And there are certain factors in play right now that we weren't completely prepared for. The forces in play weren't trying to destroy the USS Ross. They were trying to delay her so that she wasn't in the time and place that she needed to be when she needed to be for history's sake. We bent the rules a little to get you back to where you needed when you needed to be. And I'm happy to report that aside from a small mishap with your commander, things are back on track. What did you do to my commander? It wasn't us. The enemies that we are dealing with, they're different than others that we've encountered before in time travel. They can't seem to manifest in physical space the way most beings can. Instead, they seem to be able to project themselves photonically into holograms. We think they were attempting to do that with Commander Exio, but as it turns out, Commander Exio is already a little bit of a unique hologram. She has technology not from her timeline installed into some of her coding and mainframe. And that's not something I can necessarily discuss with you. That's something Exio will have to tell you in her own time. Suffice to say that a lot of contradictory information was probably fed to her through the fact that one of these life forms was attempting to hijack Exio. I'm pleased to announce that they failed utterly and that the beings that were trying to take over her code won't be going home. I don't think they anticipated that they were trying to, in fact, leap into the body of a living being. It didn't work out for them. Underestimating Exio rarely does. Captain, I'm sorry for everything that's happened, but I'm pleased that we can now back off and let you write the history you were meant to write. Your skies are clear. Then get out of my quarters and the hell out of my timeline, Daniels. 
Good work. Thank you, Captain. Scoot! And he fades. Clear skies indeed. Glancing out your quarters into the dark space, the Shackleton Expanse has been waiting for you. Since you left Space Dock, your destiny to explore and to connect, it's all been waiting for you. And now, finally, the Ross is home. That is where we wrap up our episode tonight. Yay! Just real quick, (laughs) real quick out of game, I just wanted to let y'all know McCurl had a moment where she's lying in her quarters looking at her closet at the red sequin dress, kind of like Kaylee with her cupcake. (laughs) I love that. McCurl had a moment where she's just drinking her tea and she's looking at her dress. dress. She never gets to wear that thing. And then you can just... That's that's the that's the credits tag scene. <laughs> um, you are all getting milestone jumps here, so this is going to be a big level up moment for you. You guys Ooh. just completed essentially the first uh, major story arc for Clear Skies, the Romulan intrigue arc. Woo-hoo. You have returned the Romulan agent. Um, returned the Romulan agent. You've managed to basically save Sorex's life. You've managed to sew a peace between you and the undecided faction within the Romulan Star Empire. And you've managed to save the Shashians and put the Ross back on the path to scientific exploration and discovery. <laughs> you communicated with a new life form. And you made contact with a new life form that How emerged from a How many friends did we make today, crew? You guys did great. Stream punk right here. Total total mic drop. Total mission success. (laughs) Well done, everybody. So much more to come. More to unravel with Exio. More to unveil with. We still got more to go because we still have some of the past coming to revisit Macrell, the cat, and our engineer tech. (laughs) And uh, we have a whole new power play. What's going to happen now? Because now on the edge of space, the three people that are making the calls for galactic governments are a Klingon, a Romulan, and a Delton. And they all walked into a bar. (laughs) When we come back to Clear Skies, starting next month, it's welcome home to Narendra Station. Thank you guys so much for joining us for tonight's chapter's end to this episode of Clear Skies. We will see you the week after next. Blood of the Void is coming up next Monday. We love you, Ox Crew. Thank you so much for all of your support. Please take care of each other. Until we see you again, hailing frequencies are closed. <laughs>